Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be doing a little Gemini season Q&A. Hope that you're having a beautiful Friday afternoon out there, wherever you are joining us from. Happy Venus trine Neptune day. It's kind of a beautiful day and a beautiful aspect, uh, a nice time to spend some time together. So, uh, yeah, we're going to spend a few hours here just, you know, kind of talking about whatever. It's Gemini season. We can go wherever our our heart's desire, right? Wherever Hermes will take us. Um, I'm going to welcome a few friends here. I want to let you know before we, we kind of dive into it here. Um, make sure you, if you have a question, just put, put it in the chat there. Maybe even help me out and put question in, in capital letters before your question. And that helps me to see if that's something that I need to answer or if you all are talking amongst yourselves. Um, I'll do a sports uh, prediction today for the NBA finals. I'll do a little sports thing today. Um, I know a lot of you have been asking me about uh, Astro Gold and doing a little tutorial, so I can walk you through a few things in Astro Gold if you have some questions around that and using your astrology software. Um, if you have questions about astrology technique, your natal chart, you know, it's, it's a free forum today. Um, and before we get started, uh, this is the last few weeks of my Decans of Gemini seal. So you can pick up my Decans of Gemini, uh, which is a two and a half to three hour webinar that I did uh, last summer. Um, it's just kind of an amalgamation of all the different modalities that I like to study, tarot, mythology, fixed stars, all of those things kind of put into one focused uh, lecture. So you can find that in my store at spencermichaud.com, 20% off until the end of Gemini season. And if you are looking for help during this summer season, as we approach the summer, I guess, not even summer yet, feels like summer, it's almost 90 degrees where I'm at here, um, you know, reach out for a reading. My books are open. I always love working with all of you, love hearing your stories and helping to guide you through whatever challenges may, might arise. Um, I do book a week in advance, so if you're looking at the schedule, uh, you can book out a week in advance. I usually do readings on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, but if you need another time or something like that, feel free to reach out as well. I I'm, I'm, have some flexibility every once in a while. Okay. The biggest favor that you can do for me on this channel is like this video, share it with your friends, subscribe to the channel. Um, I have some interesting announcements coming up pretty soon. So if you want to know when those are coming out, like the next guided group study, make sure you sign up on the email list as well. I've been doing a lot more creative work on the email list putting out a song of the of the week and doing some research into these musicians charts and trying to connect it with the time that we're going through as a collective and that's been a lot of fun and i've been enjoying doing that so sign up on the email list if you want to know when the next classes are going to be offered to get your song of the week uh, this week i i shared um where is my mind by the pixies or by pixies that's one of the kind of if you all are pixies fans out there or you know Black Francis Fran Franz <laughs> fans, let me know what uh, the prefer the preferred uh, name is. I see that there is no the in front of Pixies, but we are getting hung up on semantics here potentially. Um, yeah, just a nice reflection of the Gemini two energy that we're experiencing with the Sun in this particular decan. And sure enough, Black Francis, um, aka Frank Black, um, has the Sun, or I'm sorry, has the Moon in the second decan of Gemini ruling his cancer rising chart from the 12th house. So it's just, it's really cool to see the synchronicities of the subject matter that artists 
um, tap into when they are writing music, poems, doing art, acting, you know, film is a great way to tap into that mythological mycelium that we are learning about in our flowering wand guided group study. Pretty awesome book here. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so that's kind of your basic update here. Uh, I'm going to welcome a few friends because we've got some people stopping in and I'm excited to see all of you. Jody is here from sunny South Florida. Hello, Jody. Nice to see you, friend. Monique White is here. Hello, Monique from California. Nice to see you, friend. I want to shout out a few of my younger, some of the youngest listeners today. Um, Monique's been saying her kids have been listening to the show here. So I'm going to shout out to Lindsay and Brody White, uh, who have just, congratulations, Lindsay and Brody, on almost successfully completing kindergarten in second grade. That's an amazing accomplishment. And I hope that you're going to enjoy your summer moving forward. So uh, there's, there's, you know, this is a show for all ages, all over the world. Um, we, we try to keep it fairly clean and kind here. So hopefully we're setting a good example for the kids <laughs> who love astrology. So uh, hope you all are doing well out there. Um, Rachel Fletcher is here from Roanoke, Virginia. Hello, Rachel. I love your, your flowers and your ladybugs here. Yeah, I shared a... Um, I shared a reel the other day of a ladybug that I saw on my milkweed. I've been, you know, doing a lot of gardening and I, I usually pull an animal every day personally. And I got the ladybug yesterday and sure enough, a ladybug showed up on my milkweed and I uh, spent some time with it and it was just a really nice experience. It's nice when the synchronicity matches up like that. So thanks Rachel for that little ladybug there as well. Sometimes their wishes come true, right? Uh, Dimpy is here from the Netherlands, says, hope your plants are settling in. Yeah, I will tell you, I've been doing a lot of watering. You know, we haven't gotten a lot of rain here. Um, and I've been going out and watering regularly, and they seem to be doing pretty well. I've also uh, been remembering to not neglect the trees in my yard. I, I, would, I would highly recommend if you go out and water your plants and flowers, give your trees a little bit of a hit every once in a while. I've been kind of feeling them almost speaking to me on some level and be like, please give me some water. <laughs> and they look really nice after doing that for a few weeks. And there was even a, a big spruce tree next door that was kind of like, hey, what, that looks pretty good. Why don't you uh, shoot a little squirt of that water over here? And, and so I did. And uh, I think that we're building relationships with the tree spirits in the, in the property here and, and in the, on the block, right? The neighbors that we have. So um, yeah, gardening's going well and I'm, I'm excited. I've got you know, for Jupiter conjoining the North Node, which we're kind of experiencing in this moment, I have a, a flat of uh, three flats of native pollinator plants that I'm going to pick up tomorrow morning to, to plant as well. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'll post some more pictures of it um, in my on my Instagram account at Spencer Show if you want to follow along with some of the things that I'm doing there. KP1231 is here from Cleveland. Hello, friend. Nice to see you. Reverend Kai, hello from Kansas. Hello, Reverend Kai. Nice to see some new names and faces here. Um, Monique says, I need this. Both me and my kids have Gemini placements. Well, we'll try to unpack Gemini season for you. It's often a, a much maligned and often misunderstood sign. So we'll do the best we can with this one. Sabrina Luna, hello, friend. Uh, joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Welcome, Stephen the Jupiterian is here from sunny San Francisco. Uh, nice to see you, Stephen. Uh, Don Fisher is here. Love the Pixies. Yes, great band. I started listening to the Pixies radio on Pandora, which that ages me. I don't know if the kids listen to Pandora these days, but just um, I'm familiar with some of their most popular tunes, but not from the deeper cuts in their catalog. And I was, you know, starting to hear some interesting stuff, and I, I like what I hear. Just a nice blend of uh, punk aesthetic, but also good, honest, poetic writing. And I think that that's what, if you're looking for that kind of thing, with a, you know, poetry with an edge, that's the, that's the Pixies for you. Uh, Jetty SRP is here from Bath, England. Oh, welcome, friend. Well, let's, uh, hopefully we're making your dinner hour a little bit better, and maybe late tea, I don't know, whatever's going on there. Robert is here from Kalamazoo. Um, nice to see you, Robert. I owe you uh, an email. Thanks for reaching out. Just had a busy week, but I appreciate your message, and I will try to get back to you as soon as I can. Yeah, please forgive me if you've reached out to me in the, in the recent past, and, and it takes me a little longer to get back. I'm just trying to juggle a lot of things, but I, I always love hearing from you, and I always try to answer every email that I, that I receive within at least a week or so. Um, Jennifer is here from Ann Arbor. Nice to see you, Jennifer. I uh, hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're getting over to the Nichols Arboretum and seeing the peonies this weekend. It's uh, peak peony season in our neck of the woods in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, Michigan. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that in the near future. Uh, Nanda Devi is joining us from uh, summer in Tennessee. <laughs> nice to see you, Nanda Devi. Uh, yeah, it's hot, isn't it? Um, I hope that you're doing well too. I've been, I think that you had some plant pictures that you posted that were pretty cool recently. I'm enjoying seeing my guided group studies or my group, my group from the guided group study, their gardening endeavors. We, we've tried to live this book, which is like connecting with nature and, and just getting our hands in the soil. And it's, it's been really healing and it's been, I love just being able to get out and do something rather than just be in our heads. I think it's, it's really been a supportive experience. Um, Carolyn Perkins is here. Hello, Carolyn, chilling in Carmel Calif Valley, California. 63 degrees. That sounds nice. It's, it's almost 90 here, friends. <laughs> so we're in what, beginning of June? It's crazy. Um, Reverend Kai says, thanks for planting native pollinator plants. Yeah, you know, that's something that uh, my area in particular, I'm, I'm representing Eastern Michigan University today with my green shirt in, in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is a small town of about 20,000 people. It's a university town uh, right next to Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the University of Michigan is. But it's a really funky town. There's a lot of artists. Um, it's, very, it's a very progressive town. There's a lot, a lot of people joining the pollinator habitat movement in our city in particular. There's so many people in my neighborhood alone that are pulling out their grass and planting native pollinators. And it's just so inspiring to see um, it, it saves on water. It is really a good oasis for these insects and these animals and birds and something that we really need. And, and I think that the less chemicals we can dump on, on, our, on, our, on our, you know, natural spaces and the more we can provide a little bit of help just in our little neck of the woods, it, it feels empowering, right? Just a little something that we can do to give something back to, to the earth. So yes, I'm, I am excited about that. And it doesn't take a, a, a ton of effort, really. Uh, it's not super expensive. Most of the stuff I have going right now is just 
an $8 bag of wildflower seeds, mid Midwestern specific wildflower seeds that are starting to come up. And um, we have some really good programs in Michigan about um, native pollinator places where you can get plugs or like starts that are a little bit bigger. So yes, if you have questions about that too, I'm, I'm that's <laughs> this is just my happy place is going out and being in my garden. Um, Jennifer, yeah, we need some rain. Yes, Jennifer. Yep, we've had a drought for at least a few weeks here. It hasn't rained in maybe two or three weeks, so we could really use some rain for sure. Okay, Dawn's going to be here for a little while and then heading out to the local farm to pick up cucumbers to pickle this weekend. That's cool. Um, I love all the local food foodies we have here today and all the people that are connecting um, on this, you know, this is a tourist moon type of show. So uh, you all are in the right place if you want to talk about food and local growing local food and your pollinator habitats. This is uh, this is what we do here. Okay, Stephen's got Gemini in the seventh house, no planets, but as Mercury in Aquarius is its ruler. Okay, nice. Well, we'll try to unpack it for you. Uh, Chandrika Galbox is here. Hello, Spencer, Gemini, Sun, and Mercury, partner, Gemini, Sun, and Moon. Well, hopefully we'll have something um, that will guide you in the right direction for Gemini season here today. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, yeah, Jennifer says, thinking about a drum circle for bringing the rain. That would be nice. Maps Bolt is here. Uh, says, hello, here on the Tijuana-San Diego border. Oh, that's cool. It's a beautiful space. Um, I have my, my friend who has the Energetic Principles podcast, Melissa LaFaro, is out in San Diego. So say hi to her if you uh, meet up with her in an astro meetup around that place. She's, in, she's a good friend. Um, do, 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 do. Monique says, how is it hotter in your neck of the woods? It's like 65 here. I mean, different, different environments, right? I mean, it it's really feels like the dog days of August right now, to be honest with you. It's really weird. That it's a lot of weird temperature shifts lately. Um, you know, Southern California has, is fairly temperate uh, from, from what I've heard, but I don't know. You know, your guess is good in mind. Climate change? <laughs> like, we'll see. Julie is here. Hey, Spencer, Gemini. Love Gemini. What choice do I have? Hope you're doing well. Gemini, Sun, Mercury, Jupiter, North Node, Venus, and Rising here. Oh, my goodness. Julene. I didn't know you have that much Gemini. Holy cow. Um, well, <laughs> go Cardinals, right? Well, if we're going to talk, talk sports today in the running for, you know, maybe two top five picks next year in the draft, that'll be exciting to watch. Oh, Robert. Says I've gotten into the Pixies last year, mostly so strangely because of the they might be Giants cover of Havelina, and from there to the Breeders. Nice. That's yes. That is an that is a nice um, uh, journey from the from Pixies to the Breeders. Right. That's awesome. So good stuff. And Kalamazoo is one of my favorite places. I lived in Kalamazoo for about six years. I went to school at Western Michigan and uh, taught music out there and cut my teeth at the craft brow brewery and the open mics there and bells and all those places doing music so i have a lot of found memories of kalamazoo all right dimphy's asking if tanya's farmer's market went well thank you for asking dimphy i think it did i think that um she did her first my, my partner tanya andrews who some of you know from the channel um is also a tourist moon and she runs a farmer's market in pittsfield township which is very close to ipsy and uh, she had her big opening day for the outdoor market yesterday, and I think it did went well. She had a really nice jazz band that came out. Um, 
Django Phonique or something like that. You can check them out. They do kind of a Django Reinhardt type of thing. Really, really good. And it sounds like it was a success. So yeah, thanks for asking. She's tired today, but but uh, you know, whenever you have a big opening like that for an event, it can wear you out. But I think it went well and it was a success. And you'll see me repping one of their, her t-shirts pretty soon. It says locally grown since 2013 and it's green so I can wear it on Fridays. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think half my wardrobe now is farmer's market t-shirts from the Pittsfield Township Farmer's Market. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, Jennifer says waited to cut the lawn so the dandelions can bloom. Yeah, that's another thing we've been doing in our area, uh, a, a no-mo May, right, where we let the pollinator plants kind of bloom and, and provide um, food for the bees in the early spring. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a great thing you can do as well. And Don, thank you for the super sticker, friend. I appreciate you. If, you, if you're enjoying the show today, that's a great way to support the work I'm doing. You, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's a super chat or a super sticker. It's a great way to highlight a question if you want me to make sure that I see it. It's also just a great way to show your appreciation for the, the time we're spending together here. Um, you can also buy a webinar. Um, you can also buy me coffee at buymecoffee.com after the fact, if you're listening uh, after the, the live recording. But I so much appreciate the support that, that everyone uh, contributes here. Uh, like is here, L-Y-K-K-E, Likey from China. Sorry if I'm butchering your name. It says, I'm also looking forward to seeing my wildflowers bloom as, a tor as the Taurus sun that I am. Yes, this is kind of just a nice, like, us Taurus placements, I think we're fairly easily satisfied. We just need some good food, uh, some beauty. Uh, we need to be we need to be well rested. We need some physical affection every once in a while, and then life is good. You know, like <laughs> it's not complicated. It's simple. It's a simple life, right? Don says I had to send send early since i'm heading out but definitely listen to the replay okay don well we'll, we'll see you the next time we, we might still be here when you get back this is kind of how it goes sometimes jennifer's asking about the el nino shift that's a good point jennifer some, there may be some different weather patterns this year you know cooler in southern california and warmer here in the, the midwest of america um, because of some of the uh, global weather patterns like el, Ni el nino or, or la nina yep so that's definitely a possibility um okay yeah monique's confirming that that they've had a lot of rain this year way more than normal and we've had no rain so that's that's interesting okay jolie julene is, is like please go cardinals i'm not sure what the theater theory was behind letting d hop go yeah for those of you who aren't familiar with the ins and outs of the arizona cardinals nfl football team deandre hopkins is a gemini <laughs> son who uh one of the top receivers in the league and he got suspended for performance enhancing drugs last year which is kind of a big no-no for about half the season and um a really talented performer but has a very expensive contract and i think they probably were seeing the youth movement happening and let him go because he, he wanted to you know be in a place where he could win right away um but yeah, sometimes it is a head scratcher. I think it's money motivated, though, Julian. If you're if you're thinking he's his really expensive contract, and when they're rebuilding, it doesn't really make sense to have one wide receiver taking up, you know, almost a third of your payroll. So, 
Yes, thank you, Jennifer. Congratulations to Tanya. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, KP1231 says, yes, in Cleveland, too. It feels like we skipped May and went straight to August. Gemini, seventh house here, too. No planets. Cap Mercury, 28 degrees. Not looking forward to the return of Pluto. Yeah, that's something we're going to be seeing pretty soon here, aren't we, with the um, Pluto ingressing back into Capricorn. Um, when does that happen, for sure? I think that's in July, isn't it? I think that's happening in the beginning of July. Is the ingress of Pluto back into Capricorn. I'm just taking a look at my honeycomb planner. Um, July or August. But then it will be there for like the rest of the year. Yeah. Maybe it already, maybe it's late May. I feel like, yeah, maybe it's late May here that we're getting the, the Pluto back into Capricorn. But there's going to be some things we're going to have to tie up some loose ends, right? We're going to have to figure out some stuff that we didn't quite complete the last time. But nothing to really super fear. I think even Pluto, with some of its scary mythological, you know, significations, ultimately offers us the gift of change and transformation and being able to, you know, bust out of our, our old patterns that weren't serving us anymore. Uh, Stephen says, I have a blackberry bush growing on my balcony. It flowered and now waiting for them to ripen. Nice. Nice. That sounds awesome. I love I should plant some berry bushes in some parts of my yard. That would be fun, too. Oh, Julene's confirming that Taurus, Taurus suns and Venuses with her grandson. Good food, comfy, and simple. Such a love bug, yes. Yeah, Taurus kids, fairly easy. Depends on the other things in, in their chart. Um, the only challenge with Taurus, Taurus kids is... Um, you know, if, if, if they have a routine and you get them out of their routine, then they're not happy. Um, they want to have things a certain way. They want to have a certain item of clothing or like a special toy or something that, that is familiar to them. Familiarity is really important. And sometimes when they don't have that, they can really melt down. So again, good food, snuggles, make sure they don't throw away their favorite pair of shoes. Even if there's holes in them, <laughs> you'll be fine. Oh... Uh... Yeah, Jenny says, definitely spoiled with some early summer here in the South UK. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just have to adjust. We have to just kind of, you know, make our adjustments and enjoy the good weather when we get it. All right. So, welcome, friends. I mean, this is Gem Gemini season Q&A. So, if you have questions, you know, throw them in the chat there. Um, I'll just kind of start off. I'll bring the chart up. I have a few things that I would like to do. I'm going to share my screen. I have a couple things that you'll see right off the bat. Um, <laughs> this is my MBA prediction. Maybe I'll get this out of the way in the, the beginning of the show. Um, but, you know, I've been, usually I make a prediction for some of the championship series. And right now we have the NBA finals going on and, and, uh, I believe we're, we're getting closer to the Stanley Cup Finals if we're not there already. I haven't been paying as much attention to the Stanley Cup Finals, but um, today I thought I would at least make an attempt to predict the winner of the NBA Finals. Um, I don't think I'm going to do hockey today, but I'm going to show you my technique, and I'm going to kind of put it out there and see what happens. So first of all, I'll just explain what I'm doing here. And again, if you have questions, whether it's Gemini-related, chart-related, sports-related, gardening-related, the world is your oyster today. Uh, so this is the, the chart 
for the 2023 NBA Finals, National Basketball Association. So this is basketball. And what I do is I take what is potentially the championship winning game. And in this case, I chose game six. There's most of the time a series will go five or six games. Um, it is rare to be able to see a sweep. It's not rare, but it, it happens less often than seeing uh, a split. It's uh, probably less likely that, that it will go to game seven. So I kind of split the difference and saw game six here. So what I do is I look at the chart for the game itself, and then I take the coaches for each of the teams, and I look for which of those coaches has more positive contacts to the game itself, the championship game. Now there is some room for error here just because we don't know exactly which of these games is going to be the championship game. It's easier with football because the Super Bowl is one game. In the NBA, it's a best of seven series, same with baseball, so there's margin for error there. So my technique that you, some of you have seen me do on uh, Nightlight Astrology, Astrology of Sports, we, I think we, we've been having some scheduling challenges. I think everyone's really busy, so I, I'm going to put it out there here. And if, if we're able, if Kip and Adam and I are able to get it together, we will. Um, and I'll, I'll you know, talk about it again with them, but I thought I would put it out there as the, the finals are beginning. So we did have game one already, and I believe the Nuggets won that one. So we already have the Nuggets up one game to none. Uh, as I'm recording this on Friday, June 2nd. So here is June 15th, 2023. And my technique that has been fairly successful, I, I, I correctly predicted the Super Bowl winner uh, about four or five months in advance, eh, about four months in advance, which is pretty much the beginning of the NFL season. And I picked the, the, the two teams that correctly as well. Um, and I, I noticed that there's a lot of, and I, I also, before that, I picked the correct winner of the World Series as well. So this technique has been working pretty well. And it's basically looking specifically for south node contacts for the losing coach. So the south node, if you've been familiar with uh, astrology, traditional, modern, or otherwise, tends to be a place, it's the south node of the moon. And in here we have the south node in scorpio okay and traditional astrologers thought of this as a place of you know uh energy leaving the physical realm like kind of like coming to terms with loss right and what better you know kind of things to come to terms with you know loss than losing when you're when you're on the precipice of what could be the most successful moment of your life and like how how much you might have to release your attachments uh and your desires when you lose a championship game in a sport um so so i've been seeing a lot of contacts with people having south node contacts with their natal charts or with the transiting south node so it goes both ways the transiting south node hitting prominent planets in their chart, specifically the ruler of their sun in a lot of cases, okay? Um, and then also the um, planets hitting 
the their natal south node as well. I hope I said that right. So you can see the transiting south node and planets hitting their natal south node. It doesn't always match up exactly. Uh, sometimes you will even see winning coaches having some south node placements. But in that case, I look for benefics hitting like Venus or Jupiter hitting a prominent uh, planet in their chart. And that's that's the case with the NBA finals here. First, what I want to show you is the the um, the losing coach here. I think I have a feeling that the Denver Nuggets are going to win and that the Miami Heat are going to lose. And I did this by looking at both coaches charts. This is the chart for Eric Spolstra, who is the coach of the Miami Heat, really great genius coach who has taken the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, which is the, the final qualifier for the playoffs, um, who had the worst regular season record of any playoff team in the Eastern Conference, at least, and was able to take out my own Milwaukee Bucks. They beat the Boston Celtics, who people were, were picking to, to go all the way. They just have been really, um, they've been really, really good over the last few months. And Jimmy Butler in particular, who is a really talented Virgo, Virgo son, has been just playing basically like Michael Jordan. And, it, and, and that's not an exaggeration. He's really just stepped his game up to superhuman levels. That being said, Eric Spolstra has some really difficult placements around this game six. So you can see here that the game or his chart which is an untimed chart by the way so this is something to keep in mind when i'm showing this technique is that the moon will have a a degree range of error of six degrees in either direction so in this case you know spolstra is showing a 29 degree uh taurus moon uh, but it could be up to five degrees gemini or it could be up to 23 degrees taurus so that's one of the th the challenges of sports charts is most of them are untimed. We, we, it's very rare to get a sports chart that is timed. So we can see here that Eric Spolstra has the Sun, Mercury, uh, Jupiter, Venus retrograde, and Neptune natally all hanging out with the South Node. All right. Um, we do have Saturn, his natal Saturn, being hit by. Uh, the i'm sorry i i just I, I got a little confused on which chart is which so when i was talking about the moon and the variance of degrees uh spolstra's moon is actually in this chart eight degrees sagittarius and has a variance of eight degrees back in sagittarius or eight degrees forward so in this case we could probably be fairly certain that eric spolstra has a sagittarius moon um, because it, it's, you know, even if it was a little bit earlier in the day, it would still be in Sagittarius. I was accidentally looking at the moon of the, of the game, which is going to be accurate because we do have a time that the game is going to start. So forgive me for that faux pas, but, um, but we have a Eric Spolster on the outside ring with his big Scorpio stellium conjoining the transiting south node of the game itself. We also have Eric Spolstra's Saturn um, being hit by Uranus and the moon. Um, I often find sometimes that when Saturn hits prominent placements or when, when the planet 
transiting planet hits a natal Saturn, that can also speak to having to come to terms with loss and limitation, because it's often the most difficult planet in somebody's chart. Um, so this is kind of my, my kind of deal here. Like I, I'm feeling like that uh, because of the big stack up close to the south node, that Spolstra probably is going to lose the NBA finals. And I looked at that in comparison to the head coach, Mike Malone, or Michael Malone, who is the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. And Michael Malone is on the outer ring now. He is a Virgo sun, okay? Virgo sun, Virgo Venus, Virgo Mercury, so an exalted Mercury. Uh, he has Mars and Venus in, um, excuse me, he has the moon in Leo and the south node in Leo. And we're going to be seeing both Mars and Venus hitting his moon, but Venus closer to his natal moon potentially. Okay. Again, there's the variance of five degrees in either way, but this is one instance where I'm seeing that a benefic planet, Venus, is hitting a prominent natal position. We can be fairly certain that Michael Malone has a Leo moon because it is in five degrees each way. It is still within the five degrees range to remain in Leo. We also have the Mercury hitting Saturn, which, you know, that, that, that could go either way, but instead of a difficult planet hitting it, it's almost, maybe it's like empowering his Saturn because Mercury is going to be um, giving it energy and strength potentially. Um, the only thing that's giving me pause about this chart really is that he also has a prominent natal planet, Mars at 15 degrees of Leo. Um, or, or, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm, I'm reversing these charts each time. He also has the, the transiting south node. Um, nope. I did it again. Why can't I speak today? I'm sorry, friends. He has transiting Mars hitting his natal south node. There we go. <laughs> Third time's a charm, right? Mm. Which is one of the, the kind of things that I look for with a losing coach. So in this case, we have both coaches with prominent planet south node contacts. But I went with Malone because of the of Venus potentially being on one of his sectolites, okay? And I saw less bad things going on with his chart than with Spolstra's chart. So again, this is only for entertainment purposes. Please don't go gamble your life savings on this advice. Um, I have also been wrong, especially when it came to like the World Cup. I tried to use this technique in the World Cup, and I picked Croatia, and they, they did very well. They finished third, which was amazing for their country, uh, the size of their country. It was incredible. It was really fun to watch. Um, so it's not foolproof, but I've been seeing some interesting patterns. So that is my NBA prediction. The Denver Nuggets over the Miami Heat due to my south node contact type of uh, technique that I've been working on here. All right, so let's let's move on to something else. What do you say? Any questions on that? <laughs> Monique says, if I bet on someone, I'd bet on Spencer's predictions. I mean, 
some of it is is common sense, right? The the Denver Nuggets look really, really good right now. They have a guy, Nikolai Jokic, who I, I didn't even really look at Jokic's chart and Butler's chart. That would be another way I might confirm some of this. But um, the, the, the Heat just don't have anybody big enough to deal with him. And he's just, he was very dominant in, in game one. He's a real problem. And I think that as scrappy as the Miami Heat have been, and, and don't ever count them out because they, they can come back from being down. Uh, they, they um, you know, there's always the possibility, but I just have a feeling that Denver is a little bit too much for, for the Heat. That Denver just is, has a much more talented team, and um, Jokic is probably the best player in the league right now. And I, it's frustrating to say that, you know, being a fan of Giannis Adetokounmpo, but um, you can make an argument for either one of them on some level. Okay, so let's go back to the chart of now. Look at our clock here. Oops, current transits. Let's put it on the clock. So I'm just going to look through the chat here. Thanks for humoring me, those of you who are not as interested in sports. But uh, I thought I, it's something that I really like to do, and I, I wanted to make sure that I put that out into the ether. Um, and that if you do enjoy that, then there it is. Again, anything goes on Gemini season Q&A. Um, we have some sports fans here. Yeah. Monique says the Super Bowl prediction was dope. Yeah, that was a fun one. It was fun to kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I was trying to troll anybody, but to have like Philadelphia fans kind of be pretty, pretty nasty to me <laughs> in the comments and then, you know, see the prediction play out was, was satisfying. Although I, I, I always say on these shows, I don't really like dislike any particular fan base, even, even if they are um, really, I, I see people being very passionate about their teams. And I respect that. I respect people that are super passionate. I would prefer that people are nice, but at the same time, like the, the loyalty is something that I appreciate no matter what fan of whatever team that you are. Uh, Katie is here. Hello, Katie. Nice to see you. I made it. Why do I never get notifications? Well, turn the little bell on on, on YouTube and uh, that you might get a, a notification email, Katie. That's a great way to know when we're going live. And, and I think you're following me on Instagram. I often put something in my stories to as a countdown and you can kind of uh, turn on the notification for that countdown a lot of times too. But Katie says, greetings from Portland. I'm watching with my three new baby chicks. Oh, that's cool. Venus returning cancer gift to myself. That's fun. I had some some chickens a few years ago that we raised from chicks, and I had um oh man, I can't remember the breeds, but we had a, a, a like kind of a cream colored one, uh, a like zebra colored one, and then like a silky. Um, it was really cool. I I used to really know the names, but it's been a few years since we've done that. But chickens are a lot of fun to raise. Hmm. Okay, I'm just looking through here. Thanks, Jody. Uh, Steven's asking, would you say Eric Spolstra has a day chart? Um, I mean, that's really the challenging thing, isn't it, Steven, is when we don't have a time chart, it's, it's difficult to say uh, whether they have a day or a night chart because we don't really know the exact time. Um, if I'm just looking at his chart and just thinking about it objectively, 
I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I think that uh, I think it's possible that he has a day chart, mostly because he is a very public figure, and I think that when you are a public figure, having more planets like he would in a day chart be above the horizon would make a lot of sense. Um, even just this Capricorn rising chart that was randomly generated at noon potentially makes a lot of sense just because he has his chart ruler in the fifth house related to games, entertainment, and sports. So, I, I, I mean, that's a possibility, but I would just completely be guessing. One thing that I think is really fascinating that I'd be curious to test with Eric Spolstra's is our primary directions technique. This is one of the books I was considering for our next group study, but I think I'm going to go with these secrets of the Rider Waite Tarot, and I'll show you that in a second. But this is Primary Directions, Astrology's Old Master Technique by Martin Ganston. And really what you do is you take uh, a, a chart and you advance it for four uh, minutes of clock time for every year of the native, native's life. And then you can see when a planet uh, hits an angle in their chart, the ascendant, midheaven, descendant, or IC. And you can often see some really important events happen in their life. Um, so that would be interesting to test, but again, we're just kind of, you know, throwing out things in the dark here when we don't have a time chart, but that's a good question, Stephen. Um, Ray Weather is here. It says, Venus retrograde, natally have Venus at 26 of Leo, square the nodes, and south node, north node Scorpio. Yeah, we have a Venus retrograde coming up this summer in Leo, so definitely something that's on my radar astrologically of, of things to talk about as we move forward into the summer months. We're going to have uh, Venus moving into Leo within the next week here also. Uh, Jiva Maya is here. Says, this Libra, Libra rising has been home all week laid up with a bad back. Oh, I'm sorry, Jiva. Uh, um, but this is a nice treat to be here with you for the first time, and it's giving Friday feels. I discovered you recently, Spencer. Well, welcome, friend. And, and I hope that you're healing up and that we're providing some entertainment, talking about astrology and maybe some guidance and... and uh, that we're making your day a little brighter. So nice to have you here in the community. Um, let's see. Monique says, my husband was annoyed I didn't bet on the Super Bowl. Well, Monique, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think you did the right thing. And I think what you did is you, you bet on your, on your daughter uh, to sell the most Girl Scout cookies and put your energy into that. I don't, not, not literally. I mean, you put your energy into helping Little, little Lindsay there sell, sell the most Girl Scout cookies. I believe somewhere around 1,800 boxes. Wow, that was amazing. And won a trip to Disneyland. And uh, that looked like a, an experience of a lifetime. So um, that's a, that was a really, it's really neat to see uh, a dream like that come true. So I think you did the right thing there. Jiva says, oh my God, I just signed on. Uh, and you started talking about Croatia, and I'm married to a Croatian and an avid soccer supporter. Nice synchronicity. Yeah, you know, it was really fun, um, Jiva. Uh, and I hope I'm saying that right. I I'm sorry if I'm not. Um, it was really fun with that World Cup run, um, connecting with the Croatian crowd. I have a really good friend, Space Tiger Tarot 9 on Instagram, who is in Croatia. And they sort of adopted me as an honorary Croat, I guess, <laughs> during the World Cup because they were so excited that I had predicted that they would win. And they kept winning. Like, they kept winning. I made the prediction fairly early on when there were still about eight, eight 
or nine teams, eight to ten teams, I don't know, something like that. Um, and they made it to the, like the the final the final four basically. And I think I was somewhat of a I, I they thought I was somewhat of a good luck charm. And <laughs> it was just so fun seeing. I was getting videos of people in the, one of the Zagreb uh, like like their Times Square basically their city square people just celebrating and it, it was really fun. And I, I hope someday I'm able to visit and and be a part of that that community at some point because they seem like really great people. Um, Carolyn says, is there a reason you don't run the chart for midnight, the beginning of the day for an unknown uh, time for a person? Yeah, Carolyn, that's a good question. And you could do it that way. I think that, I think the reason I would choose noon is that there, the, the variance at midnight could potentially throw you into the date previously so if you start at noon there's at least some variance in either way uh, either direction that you'd have a much closer chart rather than midnight where where if you're off you could be off into the previous day so I, that's the main reason um but again we're just a lot of times we're just get we're, we're painting in a lot broader brush strokes when we have an untimed chart and that can that can be really frustrating because there's a lot of techniques that we really use with the angles as well um and especially especially traditional astrology so we're just doing our best to see what the big picture uh kind of things are with that um carolyn says thank you for the sports astrology an interesting technique i'm definitely not into sports <laughs> sorry friend well if you're into astrology there are many different ways to enter into astrological knowledge and you know, one takeaway you could have if you're not into sports could be that a lot of the times a very important event in someone's life where they're coming to terms with loss and with sorrow um, could be a south node contact, either by the transiting south node or a planet transiting their natal south node. So that's something to think about, like something leaving your life, like uh, the north node in Eastern or Vedic or Jyotisha astrological tradition was associated with a hungry, a hungry demon or a hungry dragon that was wanting to increase, you know, like material power or something like that, like to live forever, right? Whereas the south node was the severed body of that same dragon or demon that was processing old karma. So when we're releasing attachment to something with the south node contacts, it can be a very spiritual experience. And, and imagine just any type of thing where you have hopes for worldly success right? Earthly success. And then you get very close and then you, it, you don't achieve it. I mean, then you have to really let go of that desire, right? In that moment and, and come to terms with it and process it. And that can be true in other areas of our life as well. Um, oh, that's, yeah. Monique says, I'm excited to start horary class tomorrow and have more fun with the sports stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. There's something that Adam does a lot on the Nightlight channel is he runs a horary for um, for the game and who he thinks is going to win. Uh, I did not do that for the NBA Finals, mostly because I don't have a particular horse in the race, quote unquote. A lot of times I think horaries work better when you have a team that you're emotionally invested in. And I really don't have an emotional investment. I, I kind of respect both teams at this point, 
um, I think that the Heat have done a really, they have a really interesting Cinderella story and I, I really respect the, the journey they've been on. And Denver's just a cool team that hasn't really won. I don't even know if they've ever won an NBA Finals. And I just would love to see someone new in the conversation. I'm just, I'm just glad it's not like the Celtics and the Lakers or one of those teams that it always is, or even the Warriors at this point. Sorry, California friends, but you know, sometimes it, you see the same teams every time, and it, it just gets a little played out and boring. Um, but that's as a as an objective fan, right? If you're a Warriors or a Lakers fan, you're like, oh, just bring them, bring them me all the championships, and I feel the same way about the Bucks and the Packers. Uh, so, you know, um, but yes, horary is a great way to, to do sports. And like, for example, let's, I mean, if, if we just use, let's say we use this chart, I'm kind of rooting for Denver. So let, let's just use this chart in the moment as who's going to win. Right. Um, so let's, let's say hypothetically, here's kind of a horary demonstration. We have Denver in house one, represented by Mercury. And what a horary chart is, is the chart of a mo the moment that is, is uh, kind of taking an astrological snapshot. And, and you have the, the people who are in question, the topics or people in question are represented by a specific house and planet. So in this case, let's say that Denver is the first house. And, and again, this, this could be off because I'm not really emotionally invested in this. So let's call this Denver in the first. Okay. And Denver now is going to be represented by Mercury. Now we have the heat, Miami, represented by the seventh house. That's their opponent. Okay, so they have the, the team in question and the opponent represented by the seventh house. And in this case, they would be Jupiter, which is the ruler of the ruler of Pisces. Now, the championship, this is tough. A lot of people have different techniques. Oftentimes, I think the championship is related to the, uh, the 10th house ruler. Okay, which in this case is Mercury, which is one thing that could be in favor of the, of the Nuggets is the championship and their own planet is Mercury. Uh, and sometimes we see the, the moon representing like a contact uh, of what could be potentially, you know, uh, the moon moving towards one of those planets could also give us some information about that. In this case, the moon is, I guess, closer in aspect to Mercury and uh, moving away from Jupiter, although Jupiter is conjoining the North Node. That's one thing that's, like, oh, that could be good. Both of them are in the ninth house, which is is tough because now they're both in sort of equal strength, right? They're both in the Caden house. If we saw one of those planets in, a, in an angular house, we would definitely probably pick that one. The other thing that I think is telling with this one is that uh, you want to look at the aspects to a planet or planets that are in a house. Saturn in the seventh house, we've got a malefic planet in the house of the Miami heat. So that could be a denial. The other thing that's really interesting about Saturn being in the seventh house is Saturn is stationing and about to turn retrograde. That's another aspect that might speak to, you know, maybe something given that is, some, that is being taken back, 
right? Because roughly on June 17th, right after, or potentially during a game seven or something like that, um, Saturn's going to be stationing retrograde. So having that, that malefic planet in the house representing the heat in this uh, horary chart um, could also potentially be challenging. Um, and that's an interesting call too, Monique. I'm doing this as a whole sign horary chart, but let's let's take a look at it as a regimentanus chart because a lot of times we sh we use the technique that is related to the the type of time frame that the technique came from. So in our horary classes in Nightlight, we do regimentanus because that is from kind of the William Lilly school of thought. So let's see if that changes things. Well, it takes Saturn out of the sev seventh house. Um, it still gives us, let's see, let me get rid of these things here. Uh, let's see if it changed. Okay, so, th so that does change some things, right? Just for regimentanus. Now, he here's one thing, Monique, that I will say. Uh, I think that when we do a horary chart, even if we cast the chart in whole sign, I mean, we can get information from it. I mean, we're, we're just trying to like do a divinatory um, move on some level. Now, we may even get extra information by doing it in regimentanus here. So here we have, still have Mercury in a fortunate ninth house, okay, like a, a house that witnesses the ascendant. And this gives us even more confirmation that it's probably going to be the nuggets, okay? And Jupiter is in the eighth house, which does not witness the ascendant, okay? It's in a dark house, all right? Um, Saturn is moving out of that seventh house in this particular chart, but then we have Neptune here too. Uh, I tend to feel that Neptune is a malefic. And I know that that is um, controversial, but I think that my experience of Neptune just subjectively, personally, is it is a dissolving planet. It dissolves boundaries. It is spiritualizing, right? And I think that there is a magic around the Miami heat right now that may be an illusion, that may not be based on reality. I think that they're riding on a wave of like, you know, I don't hope from Jimmy Butler playing out of his mind good. The rest of their team is, is just not as talented as uh, some of the other powerhouse teams in the playoffs this year. But because of just having an otherworldly performance by one of their players, they have advanced now maybe he wills them to victory but i'm again i'm I, i'm not feeling that energy here um you can also see that let's see we want to look at the next aspect some of these planets are making too uh what is the next aspect that mercury is making i mean it's making a conjunction to uranus uh and then it'll be making a a sextile to venus which is positive What's Jupiter's next aspect potentially? Well, Jupiter is going to sextile uh, Saturn here. So, you know, a, a sextile with a malefic versus a benefic is probably not ideal. So there's just a lot of different lenses you can look at this through. And um, yeah, it's, it's just really fascinating to kind of break it down. And I'm, I learned a lot through Adam's horary classes, and I highly recommend that. Horary is not uh, something that I do a ton of. Um, I got real frustrated with horary, to be honest with you, just because of there was so many different techniques that you could use. But I do like 
the idea of choosing a particular, you know, house system technique and saying, this is what I'm going to use each and every time. And that's going to be my indicator. This is what I'm going to entrain myself towards, right? So if you do want to do like horary, in, learn to entrain yourself to a specific technique that you repeat every single time, okay? All right. Let's see. Let me take a look in the chat. I want to look at, I want to go back to, um, y'all can hear me. I accidentally muted for a second. I'm going to go back to Regimentanus. I just want to kind of see if the midheaven changed just for, out of my own curiosity. So no, midheaven's still Gemini there. So be, Mercury would still be both the ruler of the first and of uh, the championship, right? So interesting. You know, the other thing too you could think about with this is that the sun is right on the midheaven here. Um, and maybe we could even consider that the trophy. And, you know, Mercury is uh, the host of that. There's a, there's a greater relationship between Mercury and the sun in this chart than there would be with Jupiter. Okay, so I, I really think that that's, that's really confirming my Denver call. So I feel pretty, pretty good about that. Again, please, for the love of God, don't lose your life savings on the advice that I give just you know, having fun on an astrological uh, <laughs> show, okay? Um, only if you do choose to gamble, and, I, and I, I'm not really a gambling man, but um, only bet what you can afford to lose and just have it be for fun, not, not to change your life or your circumstances, because it can change it for the worse, that's for sure. Um, okay, so I'm looking back through the chat here. Steven says, I've been working on a synastry chart for lead actors of Outlander, Sam Hughan and Katroina Balf. Okay, that's cool. Let us know what you find. Monique says, when you just shouted out Lindsay for selling all the cookies, she had just hit her head. Well, her, uh, oh, when you sh just shouted out Lindsay for selling all the cookies, she had just hit her head. And her crying stopped instantly. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You know, we soothe, soothe the savage babes <laughs> with compliments, right? Soothe the leonine tears with uh, acknowledgement of their achievements. <laughs> so, Lindsay, good job, friend. Thumbs up to you. Just keep on trucking. And you have a beautiful singing voice, Lindsay. I, I saw a little video of you trying to get people to buy your cookies you're like buy my cookies <laughs> so keep keep singing keep doing your music that's good that's a, a fun path uh, caroline says i actually run both midnight and noon okay well there's again there's lots of different ways just whatever you do be consistent with it i think that that's that's really the key with divinatory practices there's not always going to be 100 percent agreement on technique but, but you have to have an agreement with the divine itself. You say, show me this in this way consistently. And, and you'll be amazed at how that entrainment process works. I talk about that entrainment process in my Stars and Cards webinar, where I talk about the connection with tarot and astrology that's for sale on my website right now in the store. And just that process of entrainment, like sort of like we're like radio, um, we're radio receivers 
and and it's just like tuning into a, a, a transmission like a radio transmission there's different channels for different people but you know you you, you tune the dial can, and you listen to that one channel consistently and you can tune into different you know channels as long as you're using that particular wavelength uh, i do this i combine some things uh, for in certain circumstances but it's all about again setting the terms and then allowing the divine to speak to you on those terms and you sometimes the divine will surprise us too sometimes they're like here's the art here's my terms but but this is entrainment is a really interesting concept our brains entrain to all sorts of things like i'm entrained right now to see pollinator habitat <laughs> everywhere in my neighborhood echinacea flowers trees because i'm really focusing on it and i see them now everywhere where sometimes i may not have noticed that in the past i i was being entrained to to cars the other day because i was really focusing on we we need to replace a vehicle like one of our vehicles basically died um so i've been seeing vehicles that look interesting everywhere in the neighborhood and i've been entrained to that so it, it can happen with a lot of different things i've become entrained to a lot of different things over the course of my life like animals trees uh astrology tarot um music like songs become messages to me uh because I, I i have an emotional connection to them and i've i've connected them with important times in my life for example um my mom really liked Cindy Lauper, and now when I hear Cindy Lauper come on randomly on the radio, I, I think about her, and I, I oftentimes I will be having a challenge that almost like it's a message from my mom to be like, just chill out, and here's what I'm looking out for you type of thing. So, um, yeah, there's all sorts of ways you can train yourself to things. Um, Jody says, I think, I'm thinking it's because the moon moves so fast, and the moon is closer to the middle of the day. Yeah, that's another great point, Jody. Um, you will have that, we, we can see that that range, that roughly five to six degree range of variance a little bit easier on a noon chart. Um, KP1231 says, could possibly work. Hold on. The other way, though, on sports, being emotionally invested might cloud things a bit. That's true. You are right on that, KP1231. Um, we've seen that before. Um, I, I know Adam's been guilty of this. Uh, he Sometimes he and I will talk about a sports horary, and he really wants the Vikings to win. And he will go he will jump through all of these rationale hoops to see them winning when I, i'm kind of like nope it just doesn't look good bud and i'm sure that i've done the same thing with like the packers and the bucks right i mean yeah i think that's a really good point sometimes when we get a result that we don't like we try to find uh a different answer and you know we have to be careful about that and recognize that that's something that's easy to do okay and I want to just also point out that I'm, I am not, I don't use horary as much as I use other techniques. Uh, like, for example, let's say I just, I'm just going to pull two cards for each of the teams in the NBA Finals. Okay, I've got a deck. I'm just going to shuffle them up, and I'm going to see who is represented by what. I'll do this to confirm and deny certain things, too. So here is the card for the Denver Nuggets right here. The strength card that looks pretty good 
Here is the card for the Miami Heat. The Magician. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're almost equal in strength. Oh, that's a tough one. See, now here's where we really get into challenges, don't we? When we have two cards of equal strength. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, that's, that's tough. And maybe, mm, oh, man. I have to think about that, right? The strength card would be associated with Leo. Um, I would say that maybe the lion in that card, maybe it's Jimmy Butler, right? <laughs> with like the, the goddess being able to tame the, the, the force of nature that has become Jimmy Butler. As far as the magician goes, I mean, that's the card of Mercury. And that could also represent, you know, Jimmy being totally empowered. That's a tough one. That's a toughie. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it turns out. I think it could be close. I think it could go seven games, potentially. The Heat is a, they're a tough out. Tough out. Um, question, Monique says. Hold on a second. Do you change house systems when you do horary? In the past, yes. I have done horary with regimentanus houses because that's what we are trained to do in the nightlight system. Um, although I sometimes will experiment with a whole sign, whole sign horary. Um, honestly, I don't really think it matters. I think you just need to choose one that you do consistently. And if you set the parameters, you will be able to glean some information from it. Uh, question, what fixed stars do you use on the regular? That's a good question, Monique. Um, I, I really like Bernadette Brady's work on the fixed stars. So I have a book of hers called, uh, I believe it's, I'm trying to look for it right now. Well, I have Brady's big book of fixed stars, and then I have Star and Planet Combinations by Bernadette Brady. And I also like this book by Liz Hazel called The Little Book of Fixed Stars. I have it next to me here, um, who's local to Detroit. And Brady has about 40 or 50 that she uses. Uh, I think that there are these Bohemian fixed stars, these 15 Bohemian fixed stars that are really important. Um, I really pay a lot of attention to the royal fixed stars of Persia, which Regulus, Fomahal, Aldebaran and Antares, which marked out the seasons. I pay attention to the kind of the scary ones that people, you know, look at. Although if you dive deeper, there's there's pluses and to them as well, like like Algol. Uh, pay attention to that. Um, you know, I have a few for each Deccan. Um, I think that the Deccan that we are in right now with Gemini 2, um, Aldebaran is fairly close to that. We're, the sun's pretty close to Aldebaran today, like around 10 degrees Gemini. It's a little bit past it. And it's starting, Aldebaran is sort of like a t an integrity test, right? Like, like you have to be organized and you have to follow your integrity or you could, uh, you know, you could have consequences to your actions if you're trying to do things in an unethical fashion. 
Um, there's another fixed star in Gemini too called Rigel or Rigel. I'm, I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation, R-I-G-E-L, which is in the foot of Orion, stepping his foot into the Uranus. Sort of like a, I have Venus on this placement where um, it's sort of like, I, I compare it to drinking to the fire hose of information. It's good for gathering knowledge and then sharing it and teaching. So I, I pay attention to that one. Um, there's there's so many like there's 40 or 50 that I that I really use in my work um, but um, I would start with the the royal fixed stars and the 15 bohemian stars that's a great place to start to to see uh, stars that will be influential the other thing you could do Monique is you could look at the the brightness of these stars and their their um, how close they are to the ecliptic Oftentimes, the planets that, that is closer to the ecliptic could have more influence rather than one that's further off. Um, and the brighter ones are something to pay attention to as well. Like, and remember, those magnitude numbers work in reverse. So like a, a one magnitude star is a lot brighter than like a six magnitude star. Okay. I hope that answers your question. Laura says, your Super Bowl podcast with Adam and Kip made watching the game at a Super Bowl party super interesting for me. Who doesn't keep up with football? Uh, for someone who doesn't keep up with football at all. Well, that's nice, Laura. I, you know, that's, that's fun. Like, you know, Adam has described our sports astrology podcast as an attempt to bring people to astrology that might normally not be interested in it. But I'd like to see the, the opposite happening bringing people who are into astrology, maybe bringing them closer to sports, you know, I think it works both ways. And I think that that's uh, super, super fun. And just sports has been something I've really enjoyed throughout my life. And I, I find a lot of beauty in it. I find like a lot of almost the dance and ballet of life. I like, I like seeing people um, go through the highs and lows of emotion and seeing people's hard work pay off. And I also learn a lot from, from, people who lose in sports too, and how they handle it with grace and how they handle disappointments and how they persevere through challenges, through injury, through illnesses, through, uh, through making mistakes and learning from them. There's so much life wrapped up in, in sport. It's theater. And it's, it's very similar to just watching a movie or watching a TV show or, or seeing a great Greek tra tragedy or drama or comedy even. Um, it's it's all very similar, and we can find meaning in in all sorts of things. And I I think that we sometimes ascribe greater weight and meaning to things, or we consider them trivial, based just on our own subjective experience, right? Uh, so so I think that it, you can put as much meaning as you want to into it. Ultimately, sporting event isn't life or death. Hopefully, um, so it is a way to practice going to the extremes of emotion without it being like uh, a life or death experience, like, like a, like war or something like that. So I do think it, it is a healthy expression a lot of the times for some of the extremes of emotions that we might desire to feel. It's very cathartic. All right. Um, KP says, I agree on your Neptune take 100%. Neptune in the fourth is currently opposing natal Pluto on the 10th. What a long, strange ride it has been. Yeah, I, again, 
there are always positives and positive lenses and negative lenses to look at a planet through and Neptune has its share of positive connotations um, but it also has some negative stuff and uh, again I'm have some subjective experiences of it due to having um, I have a lot of Virgo placements so so Neptune and Pisces has been a little bit challenging where it just is requiring a lot of faith in the process and divine intervention and it dissolves form and I, I'm someone who likes to create form and structure and, and so for me I'm already kind of like <laughs> irritated with Neptune although you know what's funny uh, KP is that I have natal Neptune in, at 20 degrees of Sagittarius in an exact trine to my ascendant so uh, you know it is one of the planets that is working harmoniously in my chart and I will say that a lot of the transcendence and the ability to lose myself has come through my creativity and through my art through my music that's when I really lost track of time and space and all structure and form and um and maybe that's something I'll, I'll you know start to embrace again uh but um I would also say through through the experience of being a parent I've had to learn to surrender and I've had a lot of painful experiences being a parent and a lot of transcendent ones so it, it can be it can be both um uh, Dimpy said my daughter Pearl told me to said hi say hi to you hello Pearl nice to see you friend how old is Pearl Dimpy like uh <laughs> do we have more kids today in the show that's awesome or maybe it's an adult child I don't know but but hello Pearl welcome and I hope that you're having a good day and helping mom mom to garden and do all sorts of beautiful things there in the in Holland and the Netherlands Monique says, I am dying laughing because Lindsay is saying, I am famous. You are famous, Lindsay. You are going to be famous if you're not already. You just have famous energy, Lindsay. I think you, you put your mind to it. You can do great things. Here's one thing that I think that you are super capable of. Putting your Legos away. I think that one of the things that you could probably do to help your long-suffering mom here is put your toys away. You take them out, you put them away. You know, mom works so hard to help you with all that. If you just put stuff away, you know what you can do? What I did with my daughter, I said, I, we'd made it a song. It was like the cleanup song. Clean up, clean up, everybody does the share. Clean up, clean up, it's clean up time. Make it a game. Make it fun, you know? So, Lindsay, you are famous. And, you know, your mom is, is a good lady. And do her a solid and uh, help, her, help her clean up after the toys you know all right okay <laughs> oh it's fun um let's see i love that we have kids stopping in today i i love kids and i enjoy their humor and um astrology is for everyone isn't it okay <laughs> Jolene says that's funny the tarot is being sassy yeah I'm, I have a little bit of delay on reading through the chart or the chat and the tarot is being sassy today and and you know what it could be totally right it's just not giving us a clear answer as to who is going to win like the strength card suggests being able to tame their more wild instincts to be able to overcome a, a, a powerful force 
But the magician is also a very powerful card about, you know, unifying all of our elements into creating the types of outcomes that we that we want. So uh, that's a tough one. I, I if I were to look at those cards, I would I would have difficulty choosing between the two. Um. All right. Yes. Very helpful. Thanks, Spencer. <laughs> Okay, good. Lisa's here. Lisa says, very interested in Bohemian stars to use for spiritual practices, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of resource material. Um, Lisa, there's a book I can recommend. Um, it's called Fixed Stars and Constellation Magic by Christopher Warnock. Um, it's a little purple book that you can get. It's on my shelf. I, I, it's too far away for me to go grab it, but Christopher Warnock is, is a really great writer and has some good information on it. Um, again, Brady's book of fixed stars talks about those Bohemian stars. Uh, I really like a book called Star uh, Lore by Walter Olcott as well. Um, if you really want to you know, treat yourself, there's a, a series on eBay called Secrets of the Ancient Skies by Diane K. Rosenberg. I'm not sure if it's still available, but those books have a lot of really awesome information in them too. So. Uh, there's just there's a lot of different sources out there to to kind of piece it together right jennifer says i am my mc on fomahal do you know that fixed star yeah fomahal is right around four or five degrees pisces um that is a fixed star that is related to um charisma i would say that they, they've called that the a wizard star it also used to represent the winter solstice Remember, these, these royal fixed stars of Persia have precessed, which means that they've changed zodiacal position over time, over many thousands of years. And when a lot of the original literature was written about these, some of these stars were actually marking out the seasons and were in different signs. So Falmahal is actually uh, a star that was related to Aquarius. It's, it was the, it's the mouth of the southern fish, but it's what... The Aquarius is pouring its sweet, refined water, not salt water, like like potable water, into the mouth of the fish. So there is there is an uh, an energy of receiving an, um, intuition, I think, from the universe and receiving things from the divine. Uh, it's also about using your charisma in service of others. Bernadette Brady talks about the downfalls, the nemesis of each of those royal fixed stars is when we pursue power for our own selfish needs with Fomahal, um, we can, it can lead to a downfall. So use that charisma and that ability to be like a magical magician, wizard type uh, for, the, for the good of the whole and for service. Um, John Lennon has some Fomahal placements where he was using his voice and his creativity for, for um, service-orientated things for creating peace potentially. So something to look into. Um, Maggie's here. Hello, Maggie, Mud Lady Pottery. Maggie from uh, Nacogdoches. Is that how I say it? Nacogdoches, Texas. Uh, nice to see you, friend. Hope that you're doing well. Thank you for sending me some of the photographs of your, um, your echinacea fields. And Maggie's doing some really cool work with indigenous populations right now, helping to pass on um, a leg legacies. It, it really great work and just applaud your efforts there, friend. 
Uh, Michelle is here. And Michelle, thank you for the super sticker. Thank you so much. I appreciate your generosity. Uh, nice to see you cap caprizing, Michelle. Raven Gray is here. Hello, Raven. Raven says, Neptune disliker here. It's been working on my natal Saturn and opposing natal Mars, all while squaring natal Mercury. It's been a ride. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. We all have our favorite planets. We all have ones that are more challenging. And they can be different for different people. Some people love Saturn energy. Some people like are just like, I love Saturn. I love limits. I love boundaries. Other people are like, no, Saturn, ah, you know? And it's probably the same thing with the outer planets. Some people love Neptune and, and they're like, yay, Neptune's so much fun and so much so beautiful. And other people are like, nope, that that is difficult. So you're allowed to have an objective experience of any of these planets, is what I'm trying to say. But I'm with you, Raven. Uh, Lisa says, I just finished the Neptune transit opposing my ascendant. Many gifts, but I'm so glad it's over. Yes, yes that would be tough. That would, would bring a lot of challenges within relationships. I had that transit in my early 20s, and I got involved in some relationships that were really, they seemed amazing at first, and they turned out to be very unhealthy. Um, so I'm glad that that's over, too. <laughs> so... Uh, Monique says, Spencer, you're the real MVP. I hope that's a reference to shouting out, cleaning up the toys. <laughs> I'm just trying to just try to help a friend out, Monique. I've, I've been there. And, um, and it's a process, right? You know, daily habits, daily habits. And again, make it a game. Make it fun, right? Make it fun. Um, Steven says, I'll blame the moon and Scorpio for hiding what we want to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that could also be part of the equation here is we're, we're still trying to figure out what, what, who's going to win, right? And we, we're getting some mixed messages. I feel pretty good about Denver, though. I, I'll, I'll say that I, that was my original call just based on my south node technique. But, but again, it, it is, it's not super cut and dry. Like the Super Bowl winner was super cut and dry. Like Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, his, the ruler of his son was conjoining the South Node, uh, of was conjoining the South Node of the of the Super Bowl game, and Andy Reid, the co the winning coach, um, had some really fortunate Jupiter like on his moon transits, and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty obvious. Who's having a much better day in this one? But this one is a little bit mixed bag. And sometimes that's the way it goes. Timpy says, oh, Pearl is an adult kid. She became 28 in April with Virgo Ascendant living in Leiden, a student town more near Amsterdam, preparing technical settings for my own student theater group. I am on my own. All right, well, uh, on, my own, on my own with the gardening, she will later in the season help consume the products. <laughs> She's doing Korean studies and working at the University Leiden Student Help Desk. Nice. Well... Pearl, I hope that you're becoming an astrology fan and that you and, and your mom are having a good experience over there in Holland. All right. Yes, I was pretty close, Maggie says, pronunci pronouncing this right, I think. Um, okay, friends, so we've talked sports. We've talked some fixed stars. Any other questions with um, Gemini season in general? I, what, what I'd like to do if we don't have any specific questions right now is I'm going to stop my share for just a second and I'm going to take a stretch break. I want you to take a stretch, get yourself a drink of water or something.
Make sure you like this video, subscribe if you haven't, subscribe to the newsletter, turn the notification bell on. Um, you have a few weeks to maybe, what is the date today? Second? Yeah, you have a couple of weeks to get 20% off the Deccans of Gemini. If you're enjoying some of the things I'm talking about with Gemini, you can get more information there. And there's all the other Deccans uh, there available as well. I wanted to show you, I don't have this posted yet, but uh, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that this is going to be our next guided group study book. This is the Secrets of the Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tolly Goodwin. Super cool book that talks a lot about um, some of the meanings behind the specific symbols, particularly related to Pamela Coleman Smith um, Pixie. Uh, there's there's some synchronicity. We talk about Pixies was the um, band uh, of the week. And uh, Pixie was a nickname for Pamela Coleman Smith. Talking about her life and, and how a lot of the imagery in tarot is related to her love of theater and the places that she was staying while she was creating the art for the tarot. So there is some really interesting stuff in this book. And um, I'm pretty excited about it. Now, I will be putting together that offering. It's probably going to, that class is probably going to start the second week of July. I'm targeting July 10th, I think, unless things change between now and then. That's about two weeks after when the last class ends. And um, if you want more information on that, I highly, highly recommend signing up for my newsletter because that is where you're going to first hear about it when it's ready to go live. Um, there will be payment plans available if you need help. Uh, you can split it up into a couple payments, whatever you need to do. But we have a great group, and we have a Discord server that we share our experiences, questions, homework. I give homework. Um, we meet every other Monday at 1 o'clock Eastern time. I try to keep the reading reasonable, usually about 30 to 50 pages over two weeks. It's manageable, I hope. And we live, live the astrology together. This, this flowering wand book has been awesome. It's really, really good. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't read this or picked it up, it's, it's not a huge book, but it's just jam-packed with, with amazing stuff and really great for people who are interested in mythology, astrology, ecology, gardening, all of those things. It's just been sparked a lot of really good conversations, and I'm hoping that this also will spark amazing conversations. I chose that over the Primary Directions book. I think this one's a little bit technical, and I will have to dive into this deeper. Maybe we can do this in a, in a future guided group study, but um, I, I got a lot of feedback that the secrets of the wider, widest Waitsmith deck, <laughs> the, the secrets of the Waitsmith deck, uh, tarot, um, was something people were really interested in. People, a lot of people have been asking me to do some more tarot stuff. So uh, I've been amassing uh, a library of tarot books recently, and um, I'm excited to dive into it more. Uh, I'm still kind of learning along with a lot of you, but my learning process is pretty intense. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to uncover some of those secrets together. Okay. Jennifer says, interesting. Thanks. We'll look into that book. 
Monique says, yay, I'm bringing two people to the guided study. They are already asking me how to pay and join. Oh, well, I better get on it then, Monique. If you're already bringing people, then I need to, you know, open a channel up for abundance to come in, right? With Jupiter on the north node. Uh, Maggie says, I just had a transit reading. It was great. I feel really prepared and learned a lot about looking at transits in my chart. Thank you, Maggie. I so enjoyed connecting with you. And um, I think this is the second reading we've had together. Um, yeah, Ma Maggie and I, I don't know if it's okay to like share this, Maggie, but Maggie and I have a lot of chart placements in common. And it's really interesting to see someone who has um, lived a similar uh, chart. And it's, it's just very fascinating to see the synchronicities and the differences really too. Uh, so, you know, I really had a nice time talking with you, Maggie, and I really am excited for, for the future for you and the, the, the cool things that you're doing. Maggie is an, is an awesome art teacher who taught it, uh, down in Texas at Stephen Austin was an awesome, um, ceramics person. And, um, does really great work. So I've seen some of your videos. Throw your YouTube channel on here, um, Maggie. Um, guide us to that because you have some really cool instructional videos, I think, too. So cheers. Yeah, okay. So Ma Maggie's giving me the, the A-OK. -okay. Maggie and I have the exact same ascendant degree, 21 Leo, and the sun in Cancer in the 12th house. So uh, when you have the exact same angular ascendant and the same chart ruler, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of stuff in common. Um, and, and that's, it's an, another observation too. You always want to ask permission if you're sharing stuff with clients and things like that, because not everybody wants their stuff public. So thanks, thanks Maggie for, for, uh, giving me the, the go ahead with that. Um, but yeah, when you have a similar rising degree, like for example, she and I are going to have Mars you know, basically every planet squaring Uranus uh, and on our ascendant this summer, you know, it's going to go Mars. Uh, <laughs> I think there's then Venus, Merc Mercury, then Venus. And, uh, you know, all of these things are going to make that square to, to Uranus and Taurus. So we've been kind of you know, working through how are we going to be prepared for that? And it's, it's kind of fun to go through it together with, with clients and things like that. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, so what I would like to do next is some of you have been asking me about Astro Gold and the software and how to use it. So what I'd like to do is if you have any Astro Gold questions, um, I can kind of give you a short tour um, and show you kind of how things work there. If you have other astrology questions, I'd be happy to answer those too, but I thought I'd just give you a little tour of Astro Gold and um how i use it oh yeah maggie says the venus kazemi is on my ascendant as well me and you me and you both friends so that'll be fun <laughs> like I, i'm looking forward to that that'll be cool so yeah venus kazemi this year is around 20 degrees leo um in the middle of the summer so keep your eyes peeled for that um so this is Astro Gold, and Astro Gold is a Mac program, okay, that is made by Esoteric Technologies, which I believe 
is a subsidiary of the same people that make solar fire for windows i don't think it's the same company i think it's an offshoot of this company but i could be wrong i know that there's a lot of folks that are that work on this that are in australia a lot there is there is a lot of teaching material by australian teachers on astro gold as well so you you can find instructional videos for astro gold but if you want to know that the settings that i use and how some of the techniques I use when I do charts, I can walk you through some of that. So yes, Steven is saying, what settings do you use on Astrogold to get the terms, etc.? Okay. Okay. So so what you're seeing here, and they add new features all the time. This is what's cool. I I had Solar Fire. I bought Solar Fire, and I tried to use it with a Windows Parallel on Mac, and it just really bogged down my computer. It was very slow. Uh, I didn't actually even find it as aesthetically pleasing as Astro Gold, and then Astro Gold started adding features that for traditional astrology that that made it uh, functional enough where I wasn't missing things that I really truly wanted, um, and if I was, I could figure it out. Like there's still a few things that I would I would like them to add. I would like for them to add primary directions. Uh, and stuff like that, but you can kind of do that on your own if you need to. Um, and there's a few other Hellenistic techniques that, that might be able to be added, but for the most part, they are awesome about responding to feature requests, and uh, I've been really happy with my experience. So what we're seeing here is one chart, and we have three different wheels on the outside. I have the terms, which are the, the, the five-degree bound divisions of each sign okay here this was something i really wanted i wanted to be able to see the bounds and the terms and the decanic rulers in my chart and they finally added that not too long ago and it made me super happy so we have those bound rulers on the inside and i'll show you how to get that and then we have the uh the decan rulers on the second level and then just the sign itself on the third level um I'm still learning this program too, so I, I'm, I don't have every single thing figured out, but, but if you, you, if you right click, there's all sorts of different things that come up, wheel style, okay? So here is where we find the terms, okay? They even show you a preview. So here's the Egyptian terms, here's the Ptolemaic terms, they're just calculated differently. I use Egyptian terms, mostly because that's, you know, Chris, Chris Brennan uses them and He's, he, that's why I do it. <laughs> I don't know. There's no really other reason than that. Like I think that they're uh, they may be older than the Ptolemaic terms, but I don't know. But all these different wheel styles, you can edit your wheel. You can do different colors. Uh, you know, you can t have different points displayed. I just got this by right clicking, okay, and all these things come up. So here's like the Hermetic lots. There now all the hermetic lots are displayed. Isn't that cool? And these are these are Hellenistic lots uh, that are based on the different planets, right? You've got the lot of victory here, uh, which is a Jupiterian lot. I'm I think we got the lot of Eros, which is um, Venusian. Here's the lot of spirit related to the sun. Um, necessity is the mercurial lot, and Nemesis is the saturnian lot a lot of courage is mars 
Um, and they, those lots are hypothetical points that are based on the distance between two planets projected out from the ascending degree. So like, for example, a lot of uh, fortune could be the distance between the, the moon and the sun. And then that, that, that number of degrees is projected out from the ascendant. Okay? And I don't have all the calculations memorized right off the top of my head. That's what these programs are great for. They do it for you. So you don't have to necessarily memorize it, but you can find those calculations online at various different places. Um, and if you click on some of these, they'll tell you what the part of spirit is here. Okay, Daimon, part of Daimon, religion, also called the part of the sun, quality of the soul and the body, uh, culture of the gods, secrets, intentions, hidden things. I mean, here, let's look at the necessity. A lot of necessity, Ananke, right, associated with the planet Mercury, says it signifies constraints, subordinations, wars, enmities, hatreds, condemnations, and all our constraining circumstances. Okay, we have Nemesis, which is the Saturnian one. Yeah, it's fun. I mostly used a lot of spirit and fortune, um, but I've looked at a lot of arrows. You can also do zodiacal releasing from each of these different points. So I'm just gonna get rid of them now. We don't necessarily need that here. So I use the seven traditional planets, the outers and a lot of spirit, okay? And then Chiron's still in there too, just for shits and giggles, right? Um, so you can add asteroids, you can add different lots. Um, you can have different aspect things, like where you set up a different aspect, you know, degree or orb. Uh, I have it. I think I have mine set up for three degree orbs, which is sort of a traditional applying aspect. When something is within three degrees, it it is said to be kind of engaging with the planet. Here, just just the basics of this, though you. You have a clock setting where here is now just what it's going to move along with our in real time. You also could just do now, and that's the current transits, but the clock will move. The now will be stationary, okay? It's not going to move. Let's turn the clock back on. You can select different charts that are saved. Uh, you have your favorites. You have recently used charts, displayed points, current transits. These numbers over here will allow you to show different charts, okay, up to four, all right? And then you can move them and swap them. So like, let's say I want Eric Spolstra in the second position. Now it's in the second position. I just have two charts, you know, the transits to Eric Spolstra's chart right now, uh, and so on and so forth, okay? Uh, chart Explorer shows you sort of the different aspects that each of the planets are using. Here's the sun, aspects to the sun, Jupiter, it's a really powerful program. You have like details, give you longitude, latitude, right ascension, declination. Um, they can show you also like the, the transits upcoming of Jupiter in advance. This is also very useful. Um, sheets is an interesting part. So you can click on like any of these planets and it'll show you where it is, the house that it's in. I don't know if you're able to see the pop-up that comes up when I'm doing this display? Probably not. That's, that's unfortunate. Um, but maybe you can. Can you see the pop-ups when I click on something? Well, if you can't see that, there is a window that pops up when I'm, I'm clicking on a particular planetary placement. And it'll show you and describe everything and all the aspects and things like that. It's really, it's really amazing. Um, 
one thing that I will show you is the sheets function. Okay. So you can edit a chart. You know, you, when you open the chart here, or you edit the chart, uh, let me see if I can. Yeah, so let me, here's the chart editing screen. I'm going to just share my entire desktop so you can see what pops up. So now you can see the, the, the window that pops up. Edit the date, time, place. Uh, you can just add in specific latitude and longitude here. You can change the time zone, change whether you use whole sign houses or something else here. There's all sorts of different house systems. Uh, and then you calculate, and there you're good to go. Okay. Um, whoops. What's going on here? Sorry. Here's my chat. Let's get that out of the way. Okay, um, so you put your data in, and you can ha pull up this thing called sheets. So this is where you see all the different information. Like this is this is the dignity horary sheet where you see the chart, the day, the hour. Uh, it will tell you the speed of a planet: slow, fast, retrograde. Um, its declination which is important for seeing if a planet is out of bounds or not. I always check the declination. We don't have anything out of bounds right now, which is interesting. We had Venus out of bounds for a period of time, but now Venus is back in bounds as of yesterday. Um, I believe Mercury will be going out of bounds next. Uh, Mercury the, and the moon usually does fairly regularly. Here we've got a dignities table here to show like uh, the moon right now is being ruled by Mars. It's in the triplicity of Venus. It's in the terms of Jupiter and the face of Venus. Uh, it is in the detriment of Venus and the fall of the moon, and then it gives you a little score over there. And there's some things that you can change some of the settings around this, tells you the next aspects. Pretty cool. I use this, this sheet quite a bit. Um, these are all traditional things that you can find. And here is essential dignities chart, house dignities, like the Almutant. Right, that's like kind of adding up the score of a particular house to figure out, you know, which planet has the most dignity in that that area. Um, there is a chart for a planetary sect. You know, you have these conditions where if a planet is in haze, it has all these specific beneficial conditions. Uh, like for example, the sun has all these you know beneficial positions right now that that give it some extra dignity. Um. Here's one that shows the sect of a planet. You know, the, is it of the day or the night sect? That's an important traditional technique, uh, which basically tells you whether a planet has like political power or not. Um, oftentimes, a planet out of sect will have to make compromises, and it's not able to carry out its significations without compromise. Um, so that's something to consider. And then, especially when we look at malefics in or out of sect, uh, Oftentimes, the malefic out of sect will be more problematic for people. That's why some people are like, I love Saturn. Maybe they have a day chart, and Saturn isn't a big problem. Or maybe they, if they have a night chart, and Saturn is in its fall or something like that, Saturn becomes a big problem. Okay, so th th this is something to consider as the sect of a chart, right? Yeah, this software is really powerful, Stephen. It's, it's really good, and it's great for your phone. You can get the mobile version, and, and you can save the charts, and... I can type something in on my phone or my iPad, and it'll show up automatically through the cloud on my desktop. Uh, there's a Fedaria section, which is a, a technique where you're, 
Uh, it's sort of a Time Lord technique that's sort of like Zodiaco releasing, but um, utilizes a slightly different set of, of um, parameters. Okay. And this is like one where you would start with a solar, a solar chart, a, a solar chart sect, and then this would be the order for that. If you had a lunar chart, it would start with the moon and it would go through a different set of circumstances. Um, and each one of these techniques would take me hours and hours and hours to explain in detail. I'm just kind of giving you a little tour. Perfections is something that I use a lot in my practice, annual perfections. So this is a technique that shows you which planet is your time lord for the year and at which age. So at your birthday, a new house becomes activated and the, the ruler of that house is sort of a planet that you want to pay attention to for the transits to that in your natal chart or that planet uh, transiting around throughout the year. When I do transit readings for people, I always talk about the perfected house and the ruling planet and its condition in the natal chart. So this is something I, when I talk about transits, I will, I will pay specific attention to um, your perfected uh, house ruler. This is why, like, like for example, when, when Maggie and I were talking about a really challenging Mars-Uranus aspect that is hitting both of our ascendants, it will affect us personally because it is angular and it is very close to our ascendant, but it could be worse if Mars was our time lord, okay? But it isn't, so that's good news. It, it may just pass and it may be annoying and frustrating, but it may not be like life-changingly bad. Like if, but if, you, if Mars is your time lord and it's making a square to Uranus, like that's June 26th, if you're wondering, and it's angular and stuff like that, like that may, be something to really watch out for. And I'm not trying to scare anybody or anything like that. There's always ways to, to handle things like that, but pay specific attention to the perfected time lord of your chart, which is the, the ruler of the house that is activated in that particular year. So this has a zodiacal releasing chart. You can change whether you release from spirit, fortune, eros. You can release from any particular sign which is great if you're using the other lots. You, can, you don't have to just release from Lot of Spirit. I, I pay most attention to the Lot of Spirit releasings, but again, this is a, a, a very in-depth technique that would take a lot of time to explain, but that basically there's four levels, and you have a Time Lord that is you know, a, a much larger length of time. You have a, one that is slightly shorter and so on down the line. I mostly pay attention to level one and level two, uh, zodiacal releasing things because those are the ones that you feel like you can really feel your life changing the other ones sometimes just happen once every couple days or once a month or so and that's less noticeable um lunar mansions you know this is cool i haven't really dived into lunar mansions that much in my practice but they're there if you need them and there's all these different you know ways of uh calculating them all these options it's it's really this, this program is incredible. Um, here is a, just a wheel. You can see aspects in grid form. You can just see the points listed. Syzygies or eclipses. This is, these are prenatal new and full moons or, or eclipses, which there's techniques about like kind of a, what kind of karma you may have in your life based on your new and full moon that happened before birth. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, you have, here's our just wheel and basics where it adds up how many planets you have in certain elements. 
polarities, sine modes, cardinal fixed and mutable, whether they're angular, succeeding, or cadent, as we've talked about on this channel a lot. Uh, take care, Maggie. Nice to see you. Um, enjoyed our talk and, and looking forward to talking with you again. Um, so this is a, another way to kind of tabulate and calculate all sorts of information. Here's a beginner one if you have a new client just kind of getting uh, a lay of the land with a chart. Progressed lunar phases. This is really cool. This is fairly new. Where in a progress chart, and I'll show you how to pull up a progress chart, you have different lunar phases over the course of your life where if you have a progressed new moon that might be like a really important new start in your life or whereas you have a progressed full moon maybe a peak experience of a cycle that started earlier there's so many different cycles it's there's so many layers to this that it can feel a little overwhelming at times sometimes you just have to pick a few techniques that you really like and stick with them and they a lot of the times these techniques will tell you similar things right so you don't have to use every single technique. I certainly don't. These lifetime arcs, this isn't something I use, but it's there if that's something that you use. Um, these sun sign wheels, this is nice. People were asking me to do rising sign horoscopes for like eclipses and full moons. And that this is how I do that. So I will like, you know, share it. And then I, I can like kind of let's see if it'll let me do it. Well, for some reason, it's not me clicking this. But, what, oh, there it is. So what I will do is I, have, I can zoom in on it and preview all of these. Like, so if I zoom here, see if I zoom in, then I can move, move it around to a particular chart. Sorry, it's getting a little messy here. It's getting very Gemini on the screen. Um, but you get the idea. I can, I can zoom into a particular chart and show people one chart and then talk about each of the different uh, rising sign horoscopes, okay? So that's very useful. That's the sun sign wheel, okay? Let me, um, so yeah, if you use midpoints, so if you're a Uranian astrologer, they have all these midpoint things. Here's the asteroid list. You know, you can see where the asteroids are at this certain point, aspects to your chart. Here's Arabic, lots, parts of fortune. Um, they have a fixed star list. You can even go in and learn about those Bohemian fixed stars that I was talking about. Brightest magnitude stars, ecliptic stars. Super cool. If you're into Parans, which is another fixed star technique, you can see when a, when a fixed star and a planet are hitting an angle kind of simultaneously. So like, for example, uh, it depends on it's it's location dependent. So Mercury is rising while Alcyon is rising in this location. Um, you can also see that Mars is setting um, as the the um, as Capella is setting. Sometimes you'll have one where uh, let's see where is one where it's different. Venus is setting while Alfeca is culminating at the midheaven. So the Alfeca, the fixed star Alfeca, will be on the midheaven while Venus is on the descendant, and that has information to teach us. And this is one of Bernadette Brady's techniques that she likes to do. So this is something to think about with fixed stars. Um, Michelle says, question about day and night charts. My son was born 5 p.m. December 24th, and it was dark out. Is this chart considered day or night? 
Well, I think that if the sun has already set and is below the descendant axis during that time of year, which was very close to the winter solstice, it would probably be considered a night chart. Now you'd have to look at the chart itself. Like, so here's, we just do this real quick. And I don't know what location this is in, but you can just see 12, 24, I don't know, whenever, 2010. Let's do 5 p.m. In my location, the sun is right about to set. You know, so a few minutes after, there's your night chart right there. See what I'm saying? So this is like 5.04 p.m. in my Midwestern location. It would be a night chart, right? So you have to look at where the sun is below or above the ascendant descendant axis. If it's back here, okay, if it's above the descending axis right here, we, you know, technically it'd be a day chart. Although there's some astrologers that make an argument that if it's in the twilight hours, there can, you can kind of go either way. But I tend to just be like, is it above or below that descendant or ascending axis? So I hope that answers that question. Uh, Laura is asking, is the phone app this detailed? Um, yes and no. Uh, it has less features. It has enough features that I have taken the mobile iOS version on my iPad and been able to do pop-up readings at like metaphysical fairs uh, in the before times before COVID. I would sit and I would do like just people would just stop in and get a pay for a half hour and I'd just look at their chart. So it was detailed enough that I could do a lot of this but the sheets part is less detailed. So less fixed star stuff. You still can do secondary progressions. You still can do uh, solar returns and things like that, but there's less of the sheets kind of stuff going on. But it's a great app. The phone app is like, it's like 40 bucks and it's amazing. Um, you do have to, I do think you have to buy them separately. So you pay 40 bucks for the one on your phone. And then like, as Monique is pointing out, the Mac OS one is like 200 some odd dollars. Although solar fire is like 400 bucks. So to me, you just buy both of them. You still save money on solar fire if you have a Mac. And I, I love this program. I love it. There's some other stuff that solar fire can do that this one can't, but I find the user experience a lot more friendly with, with Astro Gold, to be honest with you. Um, Steven says, the way to determine if you have a day or night chart is the sun in the 12th through seventh night chart is the sun in the first through the sixth. Um, no, no. Well, yes, sort of, sort of. It, in a whole sign chart, and, and Stephen, you, you would be correct if we were using a quadrant-based house system. So you're right in that. If we're using whole sign house though, we have to look at the ascending and descending degree because that can move uh, to different places within the first or seventh house, right? So to keep that caveat in mind, but if you're using a quadrant-based system like Placidus or Regimentanus, then yes, that would be correct. Okay. Sun in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me see what other questions we have. What is, according to you, the effect of being born on a particular lunar eclipse slash full moon? Dimpy, that's a good question. There, 
There is a book that I have not looked at in a long time, but I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, it's by an author named Jan Spiller, and I think I have it behind me. Um, Spiritual Astrology by Jan Spiller. Let me look at it real quick. So this is Spiritual Astrology by Jan Spiller, who is a great astrologer. I really like her book, Astrology for the Soul, which is all about the lunar nodes also. And this book really dives into the meanings of the solar and lunar eclipses before birth. So she, in her estimation, the, sol, the solar eclipse before birth is what your soul is contracted to teach others. Okay. Whereas the lunar eclipse is what your soul is learning to emotionally embrace. And this is according to Jan Spiller. I have, I have moved slightly away from some of this more way of thinking about these things. Um, but that is a great place to start if that's something that you want to learn more about. Um, Jody, I says, I started watching at work and transferred to my car, drove home, and now on my PC. So excited about the new book for the next session of the guided group study. Buying the book now. Yay! Yeah, I love that you're able to participate, Jody. Um, you bring so much uh, energy and joy and positivity to the group, so I'm glad that you'll be able to join us again. Okay. Let's see here. Robert says, I'm back. I have no idea what Paran, why Parans matter, a planet and star, both on an angle at the same time. Oh, that is a probably a talk for a, for a longer talk for another time. But Robert, if you would like to hear um, more about the fixed stars, there is a free talk that I gave for Astrology Victoria on my YouTube channel where I go over uh, Parans and where I go over ecliptic stars. Um, yeah, I, I am not, I'm not someone who uses Parans all that much, to be 100% honest. Um, but I know people who do really good work with it. And again, this, this comes down, in my opinion, to the, the entrainment argument as far as like which system do you use and do, have you entrained your mind to recognize truth or spirit through it? Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's just an astrological free-for-all, although there are people like that do like astrological magic, they're called chaos ma magicians that would argue that there are no rules and we're all making the rules up. And that could be true with all of this potentially, but, I think the beauty of learning astrology and learning a system is having a shared language to be able to speak with other practitioners, to be able to communicate our findings in the language of the system that you are using. So like the language of the tarot is somewhat universal, although people could see different meanings within those cards. But understanding um, what a certain card has meant throughout history 
will help you to understand what it could mean for you, and you might be able to adjust that meaning for your own subjective lens. I think it's both. I think there are some, some universals, but I don't think that they're as, as hard and as fixed as a lot of people want to make it. This is something that we're really learning in The Flowering Wand. Um, she talks about mythic mycelium, right? But that's not it. This is it. And the, the main point of this book is that myth, uh, divination, astrology, any of this stuff is a set of symbols that are trying to point towards some kind of divine ideal. And oftentimes we have a mycelial network that is underground or latent and the right symbol and I would argue the right technique will erupt for the time and place and culture that it is needed, right? So think about that, like that the right story, the right symbol, the right technique will erupt like a fruiting body of a mushroom to be able to communicate in, with the needs of that culture and that society. And then it might die away, and maybe it'll come up in a slightly different form, utilizing the resources that are needed in that time and space. So isn't that interesting? I mean, I, for me, that is a that concept is something that I also learned in a book that should be a book club book at some point. But um, what is it called? The Oracle Speaks by Diane Scoffed. That book really helped me understand that too. And The Moment of Astrology by Jeffrey Cornelius is, it just really shows you that that entrainment technique, and that's really what my mythic mycelium is, is, is the, the fruiting body has really just become entrained to the conditions that are needed for that essential essence that is part of the, 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 the net of spiritual reality, right? Indra's net, maybe the the essence, okay, is like the mycelium that's underground, and then the form is the mushroom that you see. So, I, again, that that's why it's just so beautiful that we we can actually still, as mystics, we can communicate with one another with different stories, different rules we can communicate some kind of divine essence because a mystic is tapping into my, a mycelial network of meaning, okay? And yes, our symbols and our stories might be different, but we can think about it like the, the blind mystics that are touching an elephant and one's touching its leg and says, it's, it's like a tree trunk. And the other one is touching its trunk and says, it's kind of like a snake. And they're, and the other one's touching the tail and it's like a worm or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're all describing the essence of an elephant, but they're touching different parts of it. And it doesn't invalidate any one of their parts, right? You know, so, so I think that that's a good way to be. It's very Gemini. It's Gemini season too. Relativity, lowercase t, truth. Okay. Um, Robert says, continued from above, if a planet is translating a star's light, why should it be on an angle at the same time, say the horizon and the meridian? Why that 
should facilitate that. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a, uh, as enough of a, an expert on that method of using fixed stars to have a well-informed answer. So uh, again, I, I will direct you to Bernadette Brady's work and to the lecture that I gave probably a couple years ago now. Um, and I think that my, you'll get my basic, very basic understanding of it in that lecture, but, but Brady's the expert in that particular technique. And again, it, it, that, that technique might not be your fruiting body, right? It might not be the mushroom that, that brings you to truth. It, it isn't really for me. I mean, I've dabbled with it and there's some really interesting things that come up. Like I, I like the idea of the heliacal rising and setting star. Um, and I've used that to, to interesting effect. And there's other astrologers out there that do really good work at that. But again, um, sometimes a modern astrologer can help you find truth uh, with a technique that a traditional astrologer will be like, I don't use that technique. I don't, I don't do anything with that. Like my friend Michael Bryan, who's been doing a lot of stuff lately, he's really been, uh, you know, putting himself out there and putting out a lot of good material. I met him at UAC. He's a really, really great astrologer. He uses traditional astrology and like Uranian midpoint astrology, which are very different, and has found a way to kind of make that work for him. So again, there's no hard and fast rules, and I think that we need to release our attachment to that sometimes. Jody, and here's the other thing, Robert. Oftentimes these things don't make rational sense. <laughs> like there's always some reason for it. But when we try to quantify astrology, which is an, kind of an, a less quantifiable art, it is a qualitative art, we can run into mistakes because, again, that symbol is going to change form for the time and space that it is needed. All right. Uh, Jody says, I use solar fire, but can only get the decans on the wheel. Can't get both just or either. Well, um, I can't help you with that, Jody. I haven't used solar fire in many, many years. So I would um, maybe ask, send them an email and see if they can help you with that. But, or get, Astro, get yourself a Mac and get Astro Gold, and I can show you how to do that. Uh, Jody says, I have time passages on the app on my phone. It does the trick. Well, there you go. Dimphy says, I thought Valen said that it could bring misfortune. What is that in reference to? I think I'm way behind on that. Um, yeah, let me know what that is in reference to, Dimphy. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Carol is here, immortal and wild. Hey, Spencer, just popping in for a bit until food is cooked. Yeah, Carol, we're just, it's kind of a free-for-all. We're just asking questions. We got sports questions. We're doing some horary. We're asking some Gemini questions. I'm giving people a little bit of a tour with Astro Gold, and, and we're diving into some techniques and having some fixed star discussions. Oh, we're just hanging out. Uh, Robert says, thank you so much for the fixed star commentary. I will follow. I like heliacal rising and setting as well. Just don't see the logic of prints. Yeah, Robert, I mean, again, I, I, that, that heliacal rising and setting, there, there's, I've seen some justifications for that that make a lot of sense to me. And the Parans thing is, Parans is hard to do because of the location specificity of it. It is location-based. So the, the, the Paran astrologer will be like, you're going to have a completely different experience of your chart based on the location that you're in, which 
maybe, and that might be true. Um, but that's not something that I have uh, really dived into, so I, I'm not an expert on it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, thanks, Stephen. I love sharing books. I, I will. If you, if you need a book recommendation, I've, I've got plenty. And I, there's so I, I have so many books that I sometimes haven't even had all the time to read all of them. I, I always try to keep more books than I can actually read. It just feels aspirational and like uh, like there's possibilities, right? Uh, but there's certain books that I start diving into. And I'm like, oh, this is really a great one. And uh, the Flowering Wand has been really great, and the Secrets of the Rider Waite. It, has been um, another one that's like, ooh, I, I really want to spend more time with that one. And oftentimes I have a lot of books that are reference books too, that I will take little bits and pieces from and use, use them as like a integrative practice. I, I do that. I really like Austin's book, 36 Faces, and T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets. I constantly use those. I use uh, Ren Butler's um, The Astrological, what is it? The Archetypal Universe, which I know my friend Adam uses a lot in his work. That's a really good book for aspects. Um, what else do I use every week? I use the Little Book of Fixed Stars by Liz Hazel every week and Anne Brady's um, Star and Planet Combinations book. Uh, those are the main ones that I, that I use every single week. But there's other ones that I've, I've, have come and gone. All right. Yeah, John Spiller's Astrology for the Soul. That was probably my favorite modern astrology book. Before I got into Hellenistic astrology, I used that book every single day. And I, the first astrology book I ever got was Love Signs by Linda Goodman. But the one that I used all the time was uh, The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need by Lynn, or Joanne Woolfolk, um, which isn't true. <laughs> I thought it's so ironic uh, that that was the name of one of my first astrology books because it and maybe she's right, but there have been so many other books besides that. But yeah, Jan Spiller's book, Jan Spiller's book really helped me to like, you know, give, it gave me an in to be able to like talk to people at, at social events or at the grocery store and be like, what's your birthday? And I had, I had the, the lunar nodes memorized for like 40 years and I'd be able to talk to them about their nodal axis. Um, just out of the blue without knowing their natal chart or anything like that um, or their birth time. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And I, I really learned a lot from her book and thought she was a really interesting person. Um, I have a feeling this summer when Venus trans my night, they'll be writing a book and being created. Well, good, Stephen. I hope that, hope that you're able to manifest that. Rachel Fletcher says, LOL, the only astrology book you'll ever need was my first astrology book as well. I think it was from my mom's book of the month club. Yeah, it was, you know what was great about that book, uh, Rachel, is that it had an ephemeris in the back of it. it. It literally, you could look up, you know, everybody's chart placements in there. And I still have a copy, I'll show you, it's pretty beat up, but it's fun. Yeah, check check this out. This is my, my copy, this will bring back some memories, but this is my first astrology book. The only astrology book you'll ever need. Cast your own chart. It's just like beat up and <laughs> and it's got like this ephemeris in the back of it, right? It only, I believe it only went up to like, it, there's a new version of it now. 
but it only went to 2025. Oh, it's still, it's still active, the version I have. So, um, yeah, really cool book. Talked about their ascendant. It's very modern, modern astrology, but good one. I think I was given this by my friend Michael, who's a Pisces. That, that was a really interesting time. I got the, I received this book when I was about 19, 20 years old. And it was also when a, a girlfriend that I had, who was also a Pisces, introduced me to the music of Jeff Buckley. And receiving this book and Jeff Buckley's music at the same time was just like enough to make my head explode of, of just opening myself up to a new reality. Uh, it was a really, really interesting time. It was, it was a really beautiful time. I miss it. Okay, let me look through the chat here, see how we're doing. How's everybody doing? Doing okay? Might go a little bit longer here. Um, I, I can give you a little bit more information on Astro Gold here. Yeah, Rachel says my copy looks about that well-loved too. <laughs> yeah, Steven says it came with a CD-ROM. Yeah, I don't think I have a CD for it, but that is very cool. Um, just one other thing I want to show you before we move on from this is... Let me show you the desktop once again. And if you're using Astro Gold, you can select the type of chart. These subsidiary charts right here are really useful. So here is like the solar return. So you can have a planetary return or ingress. So you can have any kind of uh, planetary return. You can look at your Venus return, your Mercury return, your lunar return for the month. But solar returns are pretty popular. So let's say we have, here's, I'll just do it with my own chart. Here is a solar return for this year, for 2022. And this has been my solar return experience. The moon is on Spica, you know, ascendant on my natal Mars. Um, I'm in a seventh house perfection year. So Saturn is my time lord, and it was retrograding in my seventh house here in the solar return chart. But I also know that my Saturn is activated in my natal chart. So if I were giving a reading for myself, I'd be like, well, it's time to uh, get real about your finances, about your the way that you pass on a legacy. It's time to concretize your legacy because it's third decade of, of Virgo. It's time to say, what do you want to pass on as your something that will sustain over the course of time, right? I'll look at the Deccan that Saturn is transiting in, in the seventh house. That's the, the, the third Deccan of Aquarius, which is the seven of swords card. Whereas the, in my natal chart, it's the, uh, it's the 10 of pentacles. Um, this would be something where you would be moving on from old, some old karmic ties potentially. Uh, a lot of this year has been me uh, coming to terms with the passing of my mom and with my daughter moving out and uh, going to college. So there's a lot of loosening of like ties to different things that had been a, a fundamental structure of my life. Uh, and, you know, you, so you could see like that that's a way you can look at a solar return. Um, I'm pretty excited about my next solar return. It looks a lot better. <laughs> like, uh, so if you go back and then you just change, I just changed the year here real quickly. So here's now I'm, I would be moving into an eighth house perfection year. And 
all of these planets would be active in the solar return, but Jupiter would become my time lord. And look at that. Jupiter is going to be on my midheaven in my solar return chart. And um, that to me looks pretty fortunate, pretty fortuitous. Uh, Jupiter in the second decan of Taurus, pretty close to my moon in midheaven, six of pentacles energy, expansion of my career and doing more things. Uh, I have been thinking a lot about expanding my offerings and how much I can handle mentally and physically and emotionally as far as like being able to do things to my standard, which I admittedly is very high, um, but, but still be able to expand my offerings, like expand my business and things like that. Those are all things that I try to consider. As a 12th house sun and Mercury, sometimes like I'll go back and forth about uh, how much I can handle and, you know, there'll be moments of confidence and moments of self-doubt and, you know, it's just it's things that go, you go through as a, as a person when you're thinking about um, change and doing changes. Um, so yeah, like, and you also want to look at an overlap for your ascending, ascendant too. So like, this is telling me that like, maybe there will be some more uh, focal points on fifth house matters, like creativity, sports, children, things like that. Um, so, so consider that. So that's the, the solar return. I always look at the, the cool thing about my solar return here is that my time lord planet, the eighth house ruler, is also the ruler of the solar return, okay? Of the, of the chart of the solar return. So that tells me that's a very, very Jupiter uh, year, which I'm ready for, man. I've had, two, I've had two Saturn years in a row, and I'm, I'm here for Jupiter year. The only problem with this is that Saturn is just hanging out in my perfected house, so there's still some Saturnian <laughs> issues coming up. Um, but so it goes. I think it'll be a fun year. It's, it's also a numerologically three, three year for me, which tend to be fairly positive. Um, so, so that's a solar return. You also can look at a different type of subsidiary chart with like a secondary progression. So here's like a secondary progress chart, my own. Uh, and that's on the outer wheel. That's in blue. Um, natal charts are usually in brown. Uh, solar returns are brown. Transits are green. And secondary progresses blue, although I'm sure you could change that in settings if you if you felt like it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I had with another client, I, they recently had their Mars progress into Scorpio. And um, it was it was somebody that I shared some placements with. And a lot of the things with their family had started to improve after that Mars secondary Mars progressed into its own domicile of Scorpio. And, and I was like, oh, that's nice. I'm looking forward to that because like however many years from now, I'm going to have Mars progressing into Scorpio and being out of its exile. So 2033, 53 years old, things are going to start looking up fa family-wise, home-wise, domestic-wise, you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'll finally start to feel comfortable in my own home around that period of time. Who knows? But that's another thing to, to keep in mind. Um, and you can move this in the chart. Okay, here you can choose the, the amount of time that you're moving something. Here's another feature that's awesome about Astrogold. You can like look at when the next eclipse is happening, when the next full moon. So let's say we wanted to look at our previous progressed full, full moon. Or sorry. I um, wonder if it'll do that for here. It's not really doing this. 
let's just look at like current transits and you can look at the the next full moon here's the full moon that's happening tomorrow okay it, it can progress it here's the next if you want to look for the next eclipse any eclipse here's the next eclipse it's going to be in my third house okay so it's just a really powerful program. You can look at when something turns direct or retrograde, when it ingresses into a new planet, you can look up specific aspects. It's just an awesome, awesome program. Um, it also features, you know, a location ephemeris. So if you wanna do uh, like location astrology, here's, here's that. I don't do a ton of that, but I've done a little bit in the past and that's very helpful for that. Preferences. You know, you could change all the things to display the wheels and everything. I love it. So I hope that that's given you a little bit of insight into Astral Gold. Um, let's see. I'm going to look through the chat here. Any other questions? Any other, like, Gemini? It doesn't have to be Gemini specific. It can be about anything. I, I called it a Gemini season Q&A because I knew we were going to go down a number of different pathways today. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Joey says that solar return looks pretty positive. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm feeling like there's some interesting changes that could be coming that could bear fruit. Monique says my solar return was trash this year. LOL. Eighth house Scorpio moon. I mean, yeah. And it's not everything. You know, the, sol the solar return chart, there's always going to be some things that are challenging and some things that are positive. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to get too bent out of shape if you see a scary aspect in your solar return. It's just one timing technique. But yeah, that might, it might be Scorpio moon in the eighth house could be, I don't know, something like your resources of your partner just not in great shape or like feeling some grief or some sadness around a certain situation in your life that's difficult to work through emotionally. Uh, Carol says, maybe this year you publish a book. You, I use design to design books in my proper career. So if you ever need a designer, hit me up. Well, thanks, Carol. Maybe I should write a book. I, I, again, I'm trying to, to determine how to expand in a sustainable way. And um, I will show you something that, that I always think about with my career. I have the Midheaven in Taurus. And that, it, that has shown me that the type of growth that I experience is sort of incremental. Um, I, it's not easy for me to take any shortcuts. I don't experience the like rapid rises of fame and fortune or like, you know, huge windfalls or anything like that. I just kind of keep showing up and build my foundation. And I like what I do to be uh, timeless and, and structurally sound. So I always take a lot, a little bit longer to do things because what I'm trying to do is uh, create something that I know that I can sustain a routine for. I've, I've shifted my routine on this channel a few different times to find what really works for me. I really like doing these lives. I mean, that's what has worked for me. I, I tried, I experimented with a few different things. I experimented with doing things sort of like uh, our friend at Nightlight does with a video every day or every other day. And that just, that rhythm didn't work for me. The once a week longer type of, of form was more my wheelhouse. So that's worked well. And that's allowed me the time to, to do my notes for my readings and to prepare stuff for my webinars and stuff. So um, 
I'm really, I am thinking about these things. I, I feel like I'm at a turning point in my astrological career and I, and I would like to be able to offer more things. I just want it to be sustainable both for my own mental health and boundaries and for to be able to be of service in a way that is uh, where I, you can get my best, right? Uh, I think that it's a lot of times we either spread ourselves too thin or we try to rush our growth. And I've tried to take my cues from nature that I just can't rush some growth and I can't do too many things or I'm not going to be able to take as much care as I want to of each particular thing. And, but it's interesting though, because I've had a lot of changes in my home life as far as like, you know, my, my daughter becoming an adult and moving out and going to college. And that's freed up a lot of time and mental energy for things too. So I think this past year, I've been trying to figure out what my role is as a, um, I don't know, I'm still a parent, but it's different, you know, and, and figure out who we are when we're not a, a 24 seven, you know, parent type of deal. And, um, it just takes time. Um, Dimphy says, over here in a second house, Cancer progressed a year now. Moon and Pisces on the natal chart in the 10th house. Oh, that's cool. Um, that, that seems good, right? Uh, uh, perfection year, Cancer perfection year. Okay, gotcha. Um, Jennifer says, I'm just always confused as to when a planet is or is or becoming activated well jennifer there's a lot of different things that we can look at to figure that out and just forgive me for a second i'm losing some blood sugar steam okay different people really like different time lords um you can use annual perfections as a time lord where you see the, the planet that's becoming activated for the perfected house. So a, a house becomes active for every year of the life. So I, I, at my age 42, at everybody's age 42 birthday, the seventh house becomes activated. When I turn 43 this year, my eighth house will become activated and so on and so forth. And the planet that rules that house in my chart becomes my, one of my timelines. So that's one level. Another Time Lord is, is your zodiacal releasing planet at different levels. And that one can be a little bit confusing because there's multiple planets that get activated on different levels. But for example, I'm in a Saturn releasing period from Spirit um, that is on level one. And that began when I was about 34 years old. And previously, I had been in a Jupiter uh, level one period related to the fifth house and that began when i had my daughter at age 23 and i started my music career around that period of time and then as J jupiter became uh transitioned to saturn i started feeling less attracted to my professional music career and more attracted to astrology and uh, when my sixth house became activated i became a lot more saturnian i i I, the first few years of that, I let my beard grow long. I, you know, let my hair get real long. I was looked a little bit disheveled, to be honest with you. Um, there are some descriptions of Saturn as being like slovenly and things like that. <laughs> and I, I attempted to leave 
society. I wanted to become a hermit. I, te- I, I tempted to buy a property that was like a farm uh, and I didn't want to be on the grid anymore, so to speak. So I, I had that impulse. My spirit was like Saturnian. And now I've started to get used to it and get more balanced and, uh, you know, bathing and cutting my hair and things like that. But there was a, definitely a depression that came in at first when I switched from a Jupiter Zodiaco releasing level one time lord from spirit from Jupiter to Saturn. Um, and now that's going to be my time lord pretty probably for most of the rest of my life. I mean, it's going to be active for 30 years since age 34 and then another, you know, 30 years uh, afterwards, 20, 27 and 30 years, respectively, I think. And that's probably most of my life. If I make it to my next Jupiter uh, perfection, that's awesome. But uh, it'll, there'll be a shift after that. So, yeah, multiple planets you can see being activated. And, and you can look at it in just different ways based on the technique that you're trying to use. So, uh, Raven says, fall and moon last year in the second, Aries moon in the 12th this year. Ugh. Yeah, that's tough, isn't it? I'll tell you the other thing that I was going through over the last like couple years is I have my progressed moon in Scorpio in the fourth house, and it recently just progressed into Sagittarius, and I'm starting to feel a lot better emotionally. <laughs> like, um, I love my daughter, but we had some really difficult times at the end of her teenage years here in the house, and a lot of that coincided with her living here. <laughs> I love you, Sophie. <laughs> but uh, but um, now I feel a little bit like I have a little bit more freedom. Um, and she does too. And and it was it was a win-win for all of us, like her graduating into adulthood and starting to get some of her own space and crafting her own life and things like that. There's always that kind of transition that happens. Um, Jody says, Spencer, can you tell us or show us the book again for the next guided group session? Is it Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Katz Marcus? Yes, by Marcus Katz. Yes, that is correct. Um, it's this blue book. Stop my share here. So here's our next guided group study book that I don't have not posted all the promo material for. But this is uh, The Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. The true story of the world's most popular tarot. Um, just r- r- really good. It says, revolutionary insights about the world's most popular tarot deck, discovered newly revealed secrets hidden for a century about the fascinating origins of the most widely used tarot system in the world with never before seen material from Arthur Edward Waite's own secret order. An exploration of the world that inspired Pamela Coleman Smith and a practical guide to interpreting the cards, secrets of the Waite Smith tarot will breathe new life into your readings. So this is a book that draws upon, you know, Arthur Waite's unpublished writings, photographs that Pamela Coleman Smith took. It's just really cool. And I, w- I will be putting together the structure of that in the next probably week or two. But sign up for my email list if you want to know when that's coming. And I'll probably announce it on this channel too, so subscribe to the channel. But uh, there will be an opportunity to sign up for that in the very near future because it sounds like I need to strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> we got people that want to take this, and I just need to get off my butt and do it. Um, Jennifer, uh, let's see, I'm going through the chat here. I think we're going to have do this about another 10 minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll wrap for the day. How's that sound? 10, 15 minutes. So if you have questions, put them in there. Um, 
Jody says, where was your Pluto when all of that challenging stuff was happening? Uh, it was opposite my sun and Mercury, Jody, in the sixth house. Thank you for asking. Along with Saturn. <laughs> so there was a lot going on. So yeah, Pluto. This is the thing. Modern astrology can can show us one lens to look at something through. And traditional astrology will show us another lens. I mean, sometimes it says very similar things, which I think is pretty cool. That's when you know you've, you've hit on something. Jennifer says, second house cancer perfection year coming up in July. I understand the moon will be ruling, but I don't know how the planets will activate. Uh, well, pay attention to new and full moons, particularly during a cancer perfection year. It just, there's a lot of changes that happen with the moon quickly. I always get frustrated with when clients have cancer perfection years because, you know, it, it's, it's not as easy to uh, look at you know the moon moving so much but one way i do that with my transit readings when there's a cancer perfection is looking at the new and full moons those are the ones that are really gonna you really want to circle those on your transits uh jody says oh yeah teenagers can be aliens uh, yes they are hormones can do crazy things to you okay all right well friends it sounds like we've gone through a number of cool things today, I hope. We did some sports at the beginning. I made my NBA Finals prediction. I'm predicting that the Denver Nuggets are going to win based on my south node technique, although it looks pretty even, and that we have pretty even major arcana cards for Denver. Sorry, my image is reversed. Here is Denver. Here is Miami. <laughs> so infer out of that what you will. But the aspects look slightly better for Michael Malone of the Nuggets than they do for Eric Spolstra. Although I have been wrong in the past, so don't bet the farm on it, literally. Um, we've gone over some things with Astro Gold. Um, I took you on a little tour there. I love the program. It's, it is Mac only, but if you do get Astro Gold, I would recommend getting it both for your, if you have an iPhone, get it for your phone and for your um iOS for your computer. If you buy it for your phone, you can automatically download it onto your iPad. So you only really have to buy one mobile version and one desktop version. The charts are interchangeable uh, through the cloud, which is really great. Um, let's see. Jennifer says, once it's activated and stays activated for the cycle of the planet, then depending on the technique you use. Um, Yes, so in an annual perfection year, that planet is activated from birthday to birthday, okay? So like, let's say right now I'm in a Saturn perfection year. Saturn was activated from July 7th of last year till July 7th of this year when Jupiter takes over as my annual perfection time lord. That being said, my zodiacal releasing time lord is Saturn and will be Saturn for the next 50 years. Because on level one from spirit, I am in a Saturn releasing year from spirit. Okay, and I can I can exp explain Zodiac releasing in greater depth in another talk if you want. Um, but uh, it is another technique that releases from a lot of spirit, and it's based on the planetary um, the I believe the minor years of a planet, which is a Hellenistic technique. So, like for example. Oh boy, Venus is like eight has an eight year cycle. Um, 
Mercury has a 20-year cycle. Mars has a 15-year cycle. Um, I believe the moon is 20 years. Sun is 19 years. Jupiter is 12. Saturn is 30. And some authors say 27, depending on if it's Capricorn or Aquarius. Um, and so on and so forth, right? So, so that's how you would do the zodiacal releasing timing for it, okay? Uh, thank you so much, Jody, for the super sticker. Yeah, if you want to contribute to the work that I'm doing here today, you can uh, either do a super sticker or super chat with the little dollar sign in the chat, or after the fact, you can buy me a coffee, or the Deccans of Gemini is on sale, and you can uh, purchase that, or sign up for a reading. That's another way to, to support the work I'm doing here. Uh, I would love to see you in the next guided group study class. Please sign up for the newsletter uh, to know when that's going to be uh, activated. But um, that's what I've got for you today, friends. Keep your eyes peeled for the next guided group study session, which is probably going to begin around the second week of July. I'm, I'm looking at July 10th. Secrets of the, the Waitsmith Tarot. Check out that book. Um, sign up for the newsletter. Subscribe to the channel. Check out Astro Gold. You know, it's a great program. Watch the NBA Finals. See if our predictions come to fruition. Have fun with it. Try not to take it too seriously. I do the sports thing for fun, entertainment purposes only. That's my disclaimer. Uh, I didn't pull an animal or an I Ching for today, but I did see a ladybug yesterday, and um, that feels like a pretty good symbol for us. The ladybug is a symbol of wishes and dreams coming true. So. Make a wish today. Try to enjoy your life. Have a great weekend with Venus trining Neptune. Try not to overspend. That was one of the things that I talked about. Like I have to remind myself of this as I'm in the market for a new vehicle. Um, and just have a great, great full moon experience. Uh, try to bring all the pieces together. Uh, try not to split your attention in too many directions. You might have to bring it all together to achieve a singular goal. And um, if you want to know more about the full moon, I did a live stream last week uh, doing the full moon in Sagittarius. And if you want to know more about the astrology of June, there's also a live stream from two weeks ago where I went into all the aspects of June in depth. So that being said, thank you so much, friends, for joining me today. Uh, I hope that you're having a great, great beginning of June. Happy Gemini season. Happy Pride Month. I hope that you're all doing great out there, and I will see you the next time, friends. Remember to be kind to yourself during these periods of time. Try not to overthink or get overwhelmed, and that's going to help you to be kind to others, and we'll all get through it together. All right, my friends, that's what I got. Take care. We'll see you the next time. Peace.